When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. All righty. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome uh, back to the fun. The, is that the word? I'm trying to be positive, but it's not working. I know. It's not working. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. This episode here, City Drop. I forgot 90% of this episode. Me too, for a reason. And then watched it to like write the notes and then rewatched it and like forgot it all over again. So it's just Me too. <laughs> one of those episodes that just doesn't stick in its entirety. Well, and it's not that it's bad. It's no. just that it's not what you want to remember. No, and it's, it's in my opinion, it's very different than all the other episodes because the other episodes are very, like, I don't know, character plot driven mm-hmm. in a different way. And it's more intersplicing with, like, the ensemble, whereas this one, you're kind of stuck with the unit a lot. Yes. And just, like, the Alder stuff. And that's kind of it. So it's very different than all the other ones that kind of branches more. Exactly. Well, you don't have the unit members separately with other characters outside the unit correct and when and when you do have that they're in the next room so. exactly yeah so it almost it feels like you're just like trapped in like one scenario for the whole episode which is very different from all the trapped other in that damn pool uh, yeah the slumber party in the pool mm-hmm. there's our book title for this episode slumber party in the pool for the episode <laughs> titled city drop because that's what the whole episode is about yep yes um who wrote it? Yeah, this was written by Ellie Edelson and Joy Keckin. So Joy's back, everyone. Joy's <laughs> Joy, back. Joy wrote episode back again. I think episode four. Yes. Think, yeah. Uh, also she, a producer. So yeah. All right, Joy. But Joy didn't bring the joy for this episode. No, Joy. Where also was the joy? <laughs> no, where was the joy? And this episode was directed by David Grossman. And so this episode really picks off immediately where the previous episode left us which is the unit falling in the sky down towards where city drops gonna be and when they land abigail and rael like they land so gracefully which we've seen their flying lessons with flying lady and who actually taught them how to do this because it wasn't her no (laughs) no No, I think Tally was the only one who was going to Flying Ladies lessons because she doesn't land properly. (laughs) (laughs) They went and practiced by themselves. Yeah, they... Tally was like, no, I'm going to the lessons, guys. No, Flying Ladies, the official instructor. Yes. (laughs) Army wouldn't do me wrong. Oh, Tally. So Tally ends up with no legs. Yeah, so Tally learns the hard way that the army (laughs) isn't always good and lands with a horrible crunch to her leg and is like, oh crap, this is broken. And so at this point, 
Abigail's already kind of running ahead and Rael sees her. And she's like, okay, well, let me fix you because I'm Rael. And I want to note one thing. When she goes to help Tally and Tally realizes her leg's broken, Rael's automatic answer or like panic word vomit is, oh God, not goddess. So I thought that was interesting because that's her session reflex there where the Christian stuff kind of happens in the world. So that was interesting. And so Tally's in too much pain to realize the consequences of Rael fixing her, but she'll figure it out after Rael links with her and fixes her leg, which is that Rael is going to get her visions and memories of Tally finding Scylla in the bathroom and Scylla was being a bad spy and talking to the balloon in the mirror. And Rael also gets a glimpse of Tally outing Scylla to Mama Costia. And so after Rael fixes Tally, I guess she just looks completely devastated. And then Tally's like, oh shit, that's right. You just saw what I didn't want you to see. And Rael's just like, it was you. Like, it just very broken and betrayed. Like, you're the one that reported Scylla. So now Rael finally knows what actually happened to Scylla at the wedding. And then it was Tally and that Tally didn't tell her for what's probably like days or weeks or whatever. And so it's just like this, the betrayal is becoming like a reality for Rail, the thing that Tally was afraid of Rail knowing. But Rail in this entire episode goes through the five stages of grief. And so the first one is denial. And her reply is, well, you lied to Anacostia. Like there's, there's no way Scylla is in the spree. And she just like, is so upset she cannot hear anything from Tally and she's just like I trusted you and then by this time Abigail notices the two of them doing whatever this is in the middle of City Drop which is like their crucible their test for war college base this is like the final exam um if they fail this they're gonna go to the front lines get murdered by war and if they pass the test then they get to go to college and escape the army battling for a bit and like learn stuff so, and that's what the bellwethers have all done. And so that's what's expected of Abigail. So Abigail's like, my unit cannot be doing this shit right now. Like, this is the big exam. So she runs over to them and she's like, listen, I don't know what the hell you guys are doing, but you need to not do this. This is city drop. Like, get your head in the game and start focusing. And Rael, like, can't even look at Tally and just like looks away to the rest of the group, which is kind of by this building with Mama Costia. And she hones in on Mama Costia and is like, fuck this and she's just like i'm gonna fix what tally just did and just like runs away and it's just not a great start (laughs) for the unit in this big exam not at all and may i also add that this entire episode rail looks more and more like a damn walking zombie yep like how much sleep have you gotten none Uh uh-huh and this is another episode where like they don't sleep like their unit in particular gets no sleep yeah because they're up wonder oh good lord yeah and other quick quick question about this so i was a little confused so when rail goes to so tally breaks her leg according to tally who's like again not a doctor but like thinks it's broken so rail's like crap all right let me fix you so she does her mama collar brand fixing where she takes on the ailment but like so, so is Rael's leg injured because she there's no hobbling from Rael this whole episode so like what happened there your question is my question yeah <laughs> so confused wait so how much do we know about what well, if you if you go back to the witch plague she didn't get any of that either 
Ooh. Oh. So what's ooh. absorbing the mm. leg breakage or the ankle breakage? Yeah. Is the mycelium just absorbing all the fixing ailments from now on for real? I guess so. That's a good, that's a good point. And I, I was also wondering too, like usually with, cause she, <laughs> they went through their fixing lesson, quote unquote, with Isadora. So she's learned some like army brand fixing, like, can Rail do a combination of the two now where she doesn't necessarily take on the ailment or as much of it, maybe? It's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I couldn't tell. I can't see the mycelium having a tip-fib fracture. Right. I was like, is it a off screen watching the mycelium? She's going, why is it breaking? And then she hits the alarm again and all and locks down the Well, now we have like, our, what is Isadora doing off? <laughs> this is a bonus segment. I have another one. <laughs> Yeah, so the Necros that are on base are all trapped in the lab now because it's breaking because <laughs> of rail. <laughs> Damn it, rail. <laughs> now the Necros aren't sleeping. Oh, but do Necros really sleep? That's my question. No, Isadora doesn't let them sleep. <laughs> it's like power naps, guys. Power naps. Power naps at your stations. Yeah. <laughs> they fall asleep instead of their mushrooms. <laughs> on top uh, of their dead bodies. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Whatever it takes. <laughs> Explain the necros to us, Elliot. Otherwise, we're just going to keep making these things up. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I guess we should move on to uh, good old the everyone's in formation, if you want to call it that. Right. <laughs> Mama Cost is giving the the speech about the rules, uh, but the unit catches up, and I. <laughs> God, you guys don't know what a line is or something because you just kind of get in between people. Right. Raelle just like shoves her way to like the second row. And then like there were already holes in like the back where like. Yeah. Like, like standing what are the other cadets doing? I yeah. understand that you want to get to Mama Cassia, but. Totally. For real. Yeah. It bothered me. I don't. Me too. I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Anacostia is telling them that white phase evaluation is beginning and there'll be trip mines and spree agents, AKA army officers that will try to kick their asses. And those people are not going to hold back. So they shouldn't either, which we'll see later is not true, but the units are being assigned to clear streets of mines and use seed sounds to locate and diffuse bombs or the mines i should say so that's the basic idea of what we're doing on city drop for now the first test is to find and diffuse all these mines that have been set up around this little complex that's uh, frankly super creepy and looks like the set of a horror film i yes that was my comment too i'm like <laughs> why is this so creepy <laughs> I swear to God, they were like, hey, they filmed a horror movie here last week. Let's use this. Yeah, they're like, just leave everything. It's fine. We got it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Question, though, about this, because when Mama Costi is, ex not the creepiness, but when Mama Costi is explaining the drill to them, she mentions that, like, this quote unquote fake spree agents are going to use off canon work. Have the cadets been taught how to handle off canon work? Because all the lessons we've seen them do are, like, canon work. So, like, are they even prepared for this drill, is my question. No. Yeah, that's what I thought. No. So, I was like, they don't seem even prepared for this. This is the 
army version of we're going to kick the heck out of your ass. And if you give up, then you're going to the front lines. But if you don't give up and you do kind of good, even though we're going to kick your ass, then you're going to pass and you get to go to war college. Which makes no sense because then you're sending people to the front lines who have proven that they can't handle what happens in real life. That's why they're war meat. (sighs) It's so dumb. It is dumb. Let's not do things this way. It's stupid. Yes. Like at least the people that can't grasp how to use work to fight, put them in the kitchen. I don't know. Right. Make them scientists. Like maybe they don't need to be fighting. Let them dissect dead bodies with Isadora. Right. Isadora would love that. She needs more minions. Yeah. So, anyway. uh, so everybody kind of just, they get their assignments for which streets they're going to go down and check for mines. And Libba takes this opportunity to get in Abigail's face. Yes. So she can rub in that their unit is having some friction. <laughs> flirting. <laughs> Last minute what, flirting. My notes say, stop flirting. You're being too obvious. I know. They're so obvious this whole episode. It's ridiculous. It's so good. You can tell that Abigail is very worried at this moment, though, because of what's going on with Rail and Tally. She has mm-hmm. no clue. And uh, so Tally went off to get the map. And when she comes back, she's like, all right, we can move out. This is not going to be good. No, I feel like they're the cadets are set up for failure by like this whole exercise. And then like Abigail's unit in particular is just like super off to a bad start. Because to survive, you have to be unified. So you can see that, like, again, they're not in a good position where they're going into this test where they need to be, like, put the unit, it'd be, like, unify kind of thing. And so I think it's really interesting when, like, Libba and her are doing their little flirt off where Libba's like, I think Libba p- picks up on this because, again, they have that leader, natural leader thing in, co- in common with the two of them. And she's like, is there anything I could do to help? Which I thought was interesting coming from Libba. And just Abigail doesn't answer and so I, I wonder what, what was Abigail thinking? Like, is there a way to help at all? Because this is like, I don't know. She's like crumbling under the pressure and then like her unit is like out of her control how they behave. So I feel very bad for Abigail in this whole situation. I think this is a situation where Abigail's feeling very potently feeling the fact that she has no control over. Yes. Yeah. Anything really right now, but. I think what she, when Libba asked that, I think in her mind, she was like, I don't know. Right. I I don't know what to do myself, so I don't know what would help. Yeah. What a position for Abigail, who just Mm -hmm. has gone through life, like, following this playbook where all these decisions are kind of made for her. And it's just like, with the promise of you'll be great once you get there. And now she's in the position, like, she's been working towards and is like. I don't know what I don't know what to do in this situation. The situation wasn't in the playbook. It's ambiguous and I'm not used to that. Totally. No, it's it's fascinating. So I love how her growth through this episode because yeah, this is like a new a whole new world for Abigail. So it's it's interesting to see how she behaves in it. Absolutely. Yeah. And one last thing on the scene. I have to comment on Rael's I wanna fucking murder you face that she gives Anacostia. She looks like a predator when she's in that crowd like seething at mama costia so good taylor scared me yeah it's terrifying she like she looks like a wild animal that's ready to like a tiny wild animal tiny like a house cat that's really thinks it's a lion that's real like my house cat that (laughs) wants to murder me now that i put her down right the one that was just pawing your face that was real in this scene and it just 
she straight up wanted to kill Mama Costi in that scene. And you know what? I would love to see them go at it because I would too. I don't even know who'd win, to be honest with you. I don't know. That would be quite so a just hand to hand because I think Anacostia. Yeah, so Anacostia would be the shit of rail. She has height and strength. <laughs> but I think if they could use work. Oh, uh, yeah. No, she'd I totally beat think... Anacostia with work. I yeah. think she would. Interesting. I think it I think it would be easy. not easy. I think Ray, I think that even though Anacostia knows all of the counters for everything. She's also been working inside the constraints of canon work. Totally. And Rail does not have that restriction. No. But also, right, I feel like right now, if Rail was to like take on Anacostia with her like emotions everywhere, mm, I think oh she would like, God. I think she'd come out of the gate real strong. But I think if Mama Costi could survive it, she'd win in the end because Rail can't control her work right now. So that would like work to an advantage in the beginning until she burns herself out. Either that or she'd sleep Anacostia for three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah. And so I would just love to see those two go at it in this moment because I don't know. I think it'd be really fascinating to watch would them. Be. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I mean, because we discussed in the last episode, if it was Scylla versus Malacostia, Scylla would win. But like mm-hmm. Scylla versus, I mean, uh, no, not that. Anacostia versus Rael. That would be really interesting. Yeah. But yeah. Rael doesn't have the meticulous type of mind that Scylla does. No, Rael's also not super disciplined either. No. Which is which Mama Costia is. So I, that's why I feel like they would be a really they're they're opposite enough that it'd be interesting to see how they would like fight mm-hmm. against each other. But yeah, for sure. Just throwing that out there. I love these ladies. I don't want any of them harmed. Neither of us do. But yeah, uh, no harm. It'd just be just, interesting. No harm, just friendly fights. Just friendly fights. Alrighty. So after all of that. The, the unit gets their assignment to clear Avenue F. Which is F. an appropriate <laughs> name for this. No, I forgot that and I was like, wait, they got wait, Avenue someone, F. Someone, Joy, did you do that on purpose? Yeah, they're like, <laughs> just F this noise. Yeah, Joy's like, you know where this is going. This is the street they're going to be on. <laughs> so they're going to Avenue F because they're the F. The street of all the Fs. Yeah, the street of all the Fs. And it's basically this like recreated or something abandoned kind of like street there's like yeah uh, there's like shops that look closed and broken then like bicycles yeah broken debris cars with like weeds growing out of the flatbed so it's like no one's been here for a hot minute and a half and abigail gets into leader mode and like dishes out duties to everybody and so tally gets the scry because she's tally, tally. and rail go diffuse which not sure. a good position for her to be in. Okay, but was searching a better one for Rail? Rail can't do either of these things right now. Well, she can't do either, but she right. absolutely can't defuse anything. Right, anything. <laughs> Bombs or escalating conversations. So that was, their avenue effed is what's happening. Exactly. And <laughs> I'm going to start using that. You guys, I'm avenue effed. I'm avenue effed. And Abigail's like, I'm just going to search. Just call out if suspicious things happen. And so Abigail goes off to like inspect a shop and she like clears the area. And Rail and Tally are walking on the street, but are like on literal opposite ends of the street because the physical chasm between them because of the betrayal. And Rail is still in the first stage of grief where she's in denial and she's like, you're wrong, Tally. Like Scylla specifically told me not to believe what people said about her. And Tally lets it drop the message the balloon gave Scylla, which was to deliver her to Penelope Road at 6 p.m. 
Like you're, you are her target. And like Tally's like very calm when she says this, almost like she's internally practiced this for when this eventually came out with like Rail. Cause Rail is very like emotional this whole time. And Tally's like calm. He's like, this is what I saw. Like, this is what happened. But it's mean calm almost. Like, yes. She's got to have an edge to it. Yeah. Because I don't know if Tally's upset that Rail can't see it from her point of view or Tally's just like over this whole situation because she's been sitting with this the whole time. And it's just like angry that she couldn't tell Rail sooner, like angry that this came about this whole time. And she's having her own conflict with like, you know, I'm doing what I, the military told me, but like fighting with like my loyalty to my unit. So like, I think Tally's trying to hold it together also. It's option B, I think. She's just done with every, she's done with this whole shenanigans. She's been Avenue F'd one too many times. She was Avenue F'd at the wedding (laughs) because of Scylla's bad spying. If Scylla was a better spy and saw Tally and was like, oh, I'll just wait till you leave. None of this would happen. So Scylla, this is your fault. Yeah. (laughs) You Avenue F'd them. (laughs) I want to know what would happen if she didn't catch Scylla and the balloon showed up and what Scylla would think. Like what the, f- we didn't plan this, did we? Are my people trying to kill me too? Oh my god, that'd be so funny! Like, what? Yeah, what if they were just chilling in the bathroom and then the balloon showed up and they're like, "Wait, what's that balloon?" So I was like, "Oh my god, a balloon! A balloon! Oh my god!" <laughs> she puts Tally to sleep and it's like, "What do you want, balloon? <laughs> Fuck you!" <laughs> Avenue F, guys, we got Avenue F. Honestly, I'm here for that alternate scene. <laughs> Who wants to write us that? Because that sounds so funny. Yeah, somebody write that for us. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, I love That's it. Such a crack fic, and I, I know. For it. <laughs> I love it. Because the point is, either way, Scylla wouldn't have taken Rail to Penelope Road, which is exactly no. what Rail says in this scene. She's like, she didn't exactly. take me anywhere. We were dancing at 6 p.m. She told me she loved me. Like, what are you talking about? And Again, I think this is part of Rail's denial where she's trying to like convince herself that like all these external things that are saying, hey, you know, remember this weird thing you were thinking about Scylla? They see it too. Rail's trying to like keep those thoughts at bay. And and, and this is where she's transitioning into like the bargaining part of like dealing with grief. She's like trying to like um, reconcile the, the fantasy versus reality where she's like, well, you know, in the ballroom we were dancing and all in love and stuff. And like, now you're telling me that she was a spree agent this whole time. He was trying to take me somewhere. She's like, but no, no, no. I experienced the fantasy part. Like, what are you saying, Tally? So she's bargaining. She's going through the stages of grief. And this is where Tally has her breaking point. She's like, listen, Rail, I did what I did to protect you. And Rail, like, doesn't challenge her after this. I think she tries to, like, again, bargain. She's like, well, Scylla was telling me she loved me, but you're trying to protect me from something bad happening. And she's like, okay. But then Tally's like, just believe me. And so Rail just looks really crushed because like, what does she believe? Like what she experienced and all the doubts that she still had with Scylla, which would never really answer it. Plus like this other person that she's supposed to trust that was like, gave her up and like all these things. And Rail's just like, I don't trust you right now. And just like walks away. And I don't know that Rail really trusts anything except her own experience, which, mm-hmm. which was very conflicted this whole time. But the last piece she has of Scylla are like the dungeon scene we saw. And then the, ballroom scene so that's like what's freshest in her mind i think and those are the happy feels she's clinging to and like tally's just like whatever and just watches rail walk away and then they're clearing the area and rail walks past a car that has a whole ass garbage bag filled with air and she stares at it for like at least two seconds and then it's like whatever and keeps walking because 
Rail's not there. Rail is on the dance floor with Scylla and like in the dungeon. That's where Rail's at. And Tally is like, um, I secured my area. Abigail secured hers. Rail, what about you? And I think Tally sees that Rail's like not there and Rail's not listening to her. So she runs over to her and she's like, I think that's when Tally just is like, I can't be diplomatic anymore. And she just releases all of her frustration because from Tally's point of view, she's been sitting with all of this. This has all been weighing on her also and it's just lets it all out she's like listen hate me but don't lie to yourself like i you you saw what i saw and as they're arguing i think abigail sees the fucking giant garbage bag of like air and is like oh fuck guys like what are you doing and at this moment as abigail's trying to rush over tally says the wrong thing to rail Scylla is spree and rail throws tally up against the car and then the i guess the spree work goes off in the bag and they all get plague on their face and start screaming. So the scene just ends in utter chaos because they got Avenue F'd. <laughs> what a way, what a way to end it. Um, but we all saw that coming. Thanks, Joy, foreshadowing. Yes, we did. That entire time rails walking her. I swear, zombie is an apt word because I don't think she's actually seeing anything in front of her no. face. No, 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 no. My other question is, is Abigail just not hearing them talk? Because they weren't that far apart. No. You know, Tally was doing her stage whispering she did at the wedding. Like, I think Scylla is spree, everyone. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Mama Cassia. <laughs> yeah, they're full out yelling at each other. Yeah. They're not that like, far away. I've, I'm suspending my belief, but yeah. at the same time. I'm just thinking that abigail was just she was in her zone of being focused mm -hmm. on listening and searching for spree stuff at the store shop so maybe she's like oh they're talking about diffusing things i don't know and then again when she finally clears that area and turns around i think that's when she's focusing more on them and is like wait what the fuck are they doing and what is that giant garbage bag doing oh my god rail <laughs> mm -hmm. anyway yeah yeah no, but I, I agree with you. She's in zombie mode and Rail, Rail's not there. Her She's at the dance with Scylla. She's in the dungeon. She's not with Tally or anybody in this moment. She's in nope. her own little world. Oh my gosh. The ick crap on their face also was a little freaky. It was freaky. Especially when it was flashing on and off and they're all like, because they, they have to put this on in post-production. Yes. They're holding their hands away from their face. Right. Because they're like, I don't know what's going to happen to me in post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's super weird. It was just funny. But that uh, leads us to the slumber party in the pool. Mm -hmm. The title of our, our new motherland book. <laughs> And Avenue F. And Avenue F. That's like a memoir. <laughs> Slumber party and Avenue F. Back at the pool here, the office. There's the officer that. We, do we ever get her name? I don't think we do. Just that she's lieutenant. No, we get her. Is it the blonde one? Because we get her name later. Yeah, we do. I have it okay. noted later when they say it, but I don't. Remember. Right. Again, I forgot ninety percent of this episode, including her name. So we'll get there later. Okay, someday yeah. we'll get her name. Someday but... we'll get her name. She's leading this shit show. With, <laughs> with Anacostia, who's explaining that this is a mild form of soundborne plague. It isn't contagious, but they're going to have a really uncomfortable night. So I imagine they're super itchy and uncomfortable in the respect that they've got all of these welts or rash, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I have a question about this. Okay. On this show, when they say the word plague, what are they talking about? I don't know because it doesn't make any damn sense. Correct. 
I think it's just a generic term because this is not what the plague looks like. No. So for those that don't know, so like, and I'm wondering if this was a alder altered history. And so the meaning of the plague as we know it is also altered because the plague that we all commonly think about is uh yeah you well yusinia pestis is the organism and it mostly manifests as a respiratory ailment not it can be in the skin but not like this and so when they're talking about plagues they're talking they, they seem to be referencing these like skin ailments yeah it looks is, like leprosy right which leprosy doesn't really do this either but like oh. yeah it's like th this weird like skin plague so i wonder if like what well, we're gonna see a history timeline later but I'm, I'm wondering too if like the plague quote unquote that hit this world was a different type of plague than the one that we know i just found that really yeah. weird because they they seem to use plague multiple times in this show that they're always these like skin diseases you know what it really weird. reminded me of actually was hydronitis superativa but like not in your not in the same places as no. it usually shows up right yeah again super weird but whatever. But whatever. Just just wondering if that was a world just building thing. Curious if that plays into the entire world, but hey, And then is. I also had another question about like cuz we're going to get to the witch plague later. And so this one they're saying it's they also mentioned that this is soundborn and it's not contagious. They mentioned that it's that since it's soundborn it's not contagious. Correct. Yeah. So like I'm wondering, did whoever created the witch plague, as we know it, which is the thing that was infecting Kalita in the last episode, did they take this and somehow modify it into something that was contagious and wasn't soundborn necessarily? Good question. Yeah. Just because I think, because yeah, I forget how the beginning of this, the witch plague works, but like it is contagious. So I'm wondering kind of what happened there too. I just thought that was interesting. Another question for Elliot. Elliot. <laughs> Oh, my other question is, is it only on their faces? Like, do they right. have this all over their body? Right. Was it only exposed skin? Or is it everywhere? Mm -hmm. I don't right. really see it on their hands that much. No, not really. It's mostly like their face. Again, like what plague is this? Mm -hmm. It's very strange. Good question. Yeah. Suspense of belief, I guess. Yes. And oh, it goes away in a couple hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That part. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'll be fine. It's not deadly. It's, it's, it's cool. mild. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> Sleep it off. <laughs> but uh, abigail wants to know what the hell's going on with them and tally informs abigail that she saw Scylla talking to a balloon which does not register with abigail, abigail. the the what that means she's kind of baffled until tally tells her that it's it was in a mirror and that's how the spree communicate so Abigail immediately turns on Rael and is angry that she brought a spree agent to her cousin's wedding. Like Rael actively did that. Right. As if Abigail was actively fighting Scylla. Yeah. Over Charvel's dead body. Exactly. Right. I think she just, she has PTSD right now. And then Rael is having Scylla PTSD right now. Yeah. It's not a good situation for no. anybody. But. Rail is you might want to rethink saying that to her right now it's just not a good look still doesn't know how to talk to Rail. and Tally wants to revisit again and say that she was going to turn 
you over to them, and that's all I needed to know. I was protecting you. And Rael just shoots right on back with, I don't need your protection. I need Scylla back. We're still in that middle ground of ex- of not to acceptance yet. But um, we get lights out after this, but there's still a little bit of lesbian Jesus light, if you mm-hmm. notice. And then Rael, they all lay down, but Rael is only down for a hot second because she starts to see Scylla, the visions of Scylla in the cell. And she, so she's reliving that scene. She can't deal with it. So she gets up to go and find Anacostia and Tally and Abigail eventually get up and follow her. Yeah. I I do love the end because, you know, Rail's restless and just fucks off. And then Abigail and Tally don't say anything to each other. They just watch Rail leave. And then they make this like silent pack with each other to be like, we're the we're a unit we have to go after her as a unit because really in this moment Rael is still putting Scylla above the unit that's her priority still that shifts later but the unit is very much like unit first like Tally and Abigail so this is like Rael's journey to like really fully trust her unit above anybody else kind of thing but I love that they're just like Abigail's like, yeah, I'm pissed at you. You might have been the reason my cousin died, but I'm going to put that aside because the unit's what matters right now. And, and I, I love that Abigail did that. I thought that was very big yeah. for Abigail. They're like, don't leave my sister behind kind of thing. But poor Rail and her PTSD flashback. Also, can I can I note the realism that they, uh, since we're all living in a pandemic right now, the fact that they quarantined them more than six mm-hmm. feet apart from everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, they're at the <laughs> other end of the pool, even yeah. though it's not contagious. <laughs> I know. I, that's what I love. Like, it's not contagious, but we're still going to quarantine your asses at the start of the party. I feel like they put them in the dunce corner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's so funny. I was like, the, the realism hurts. I think really know. what they didn't want to spread was the Avenue F. Yeah, they didn't want to spread their Avenue F <laughs> luck. But I thought that was funny. That is funny. So funny. Yeah. <laughs> so from here we follow Rael, and now we're in a blue light scene because Rael's mind is with Scylla right now, and that's she's on Scylla protection mode. And this is where the creepiness comes into this episode. Because <laughs> the first we take show- a huge detour into <laughs> we what go- the fuck is this horror movie land with the right. creepy music? Oh my god! We go from Avenue F to the pool to this and it's like the first shot is this creepy painted wooden duck face and this like haunted circus music and there's clown faces and it's just like why i feel like i want to know when the killer clown's gonna show yes i was like is that the spree boss like (laughs) (laughs) ronald mcdonald is the spree boss yeah because like you know capitalism's the enemy exactly (laughs) it's a metaphor anyway yeah so that would have been amazing whoever wants to continue that fan fiction like go for it do this part too but anyway, and I, I, to add to it, the subtitles, if you watch it, sometimes it reads distorted music plays in the distance. Because <laughs> accurate. Disturbing. <laughs> is so like, run, Rael, you're in danger. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> you're blonde and you're a lesbian, run. Yeah, you're going to be the first one to get murdered. Exactly. So you're, yeah, anyway. So this place is just bad news bears where she's at. But Rael is, again, she's in Scylla land and can't see any of the creepiness and she just keeps walking. And then it cuts to Tally and Abigail who are not in the creepy clown area. For Like they followed Rael, but they didn't follow Rael. And so they end up in this building that looks like a 
school or a locker room. It looks room. like a school locker room. Yeah, exactly. So pool, I think they're in some kind of school locker room. And they stop in the hallway to bask in Rael's light because they're looking for Rael. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, here's the light. Where's Rael? And also, like, what time is it? Isn't it nighttime? Why is there lesbian Jesus light? It's got to be like street lights or something, but why are the sh- I don't understand. I don't understand why it's so powerful <laughs> in this scene, but whatever. We'll just they're looking for rail. I'm going with that. And this is where Abigail is just like, okay, confronts Tally because she's like, you knew, you know, we're on this u- we're on this mission right now to go find rail because we believe the unit's important, but like you didn't tell me that Scylla was responsible for Charvel's death. Like I can't believe you did that like if we're all unit unity and tally just looks tally looks like hell like rail is in zombie mode and then tally just looks like she hasn't slept in three weeks and just had like has like a toddler like she's like i just can't even adjust like with life right now and tally looks like she had six couplets and hasn't slept. yeah and she's like i don't want to be dealing with you abigail and she's just like abigail for fuck's sake and and then, t- t- you know, Abigail keeps going. Like, how dare you not tell me right away? It was your responsibility to give me that information. Like, privilege check here, Abigail. But I think Abigail is also, like, projecting her, like, repressed everything about not being able to save Charvel herself. And mm-hmm. is, like, throwing that onto Tally. And yep. Tally breaks and is like, fuck this. And gets, actually gets in Abigail's face and just yells, what would you have done if I told you? Like, stop her? Like, what were you going to do? And Abigail just kind of freezes because I think she wasn't expecting Tally's big witch energy here. And Tally's like, listen, I was a good soldier. I went to my commanding officer, Anacostia. I told her she gave me an order not to say anything. Yeah, you should understand that more than anyone, Abigail. Right, exactly. Totally. And you think Abigail would understand that, but I think she's still like Charvel triggered. And she just voices Tally's dilemma out loud and says, what about our unit? And, like, this hits Tally. Like, she, like, pauses and her face kind of twitches because that was Tally's inner conflict this whole time. And Abigail's like, we have to trust each other. And I find this so interesting from Abigail because, like you said, like, you'd imagine that Abigail, the bellwether, the the best soldier that's ever going to live, would be like, okay, you did the right thing. You followed the army command. But she's here saying, like, no, no, no. The unit needs to come first before the chain of command. So I found that really interesting that she's prioritizing their unit dynamics before like army orders she's done a 180 in a way yeah but i also want to ask a question and i know that abigail's not making sense right now Mm -hmm. but when the fuck would Scylla have time to kill charvel and uh, get her vocal cords out right that already happened by the time Tally found Scylla in the bathroom. Like, when did she do that clean up and come back to the party? Right. I imagine someone... It wasn't Scylla. It wasn't Scylla. Right. Capturing Scylla would have changed absolutely nothing in this whole scenario. And like I said, I understand that Abigail is not making sense right now or not seeing the sense in what she's saying and that there could be other... You know, like, she's thinking that uh Scylla was working with someone or whatever but at right at the same time girl stop trying just just stop yeah I, I think it's again Abigail kind of grasping at straws of like the what ifs what what I could have done differently to save Charvel and so I, I get that from her perspective if like well if I could if, if I would have known this information and I could have confronted Scylla maybe Charvel would be alive so like I can see that we're right back to Abigail has no control and she yeah. needs to be in control to feel Absolutely. safe. Well said. Yeah. 
And yeah, and again, like Charvel, that whole situation was like the first unsafe experience she ever had. So well said that that's exactly what it is. I also think that Abigail's realizing that the army isn't always going to make the safe decisions for them and that they're going to have to protect themselves. Ding. That is the big theme in this whole episode. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's just weird that this, it's weird that this early in the episode, you already see her like Mm -hmm. making that decision between those two things, which is weird. Yeah. But yeah. Interesting. Pull up that theme and Mm -hmm. let's go with it. Yeah. And so basically when they're, they're in this, we need to trust each other scenario. High pitch ringing interrupts them and two goons come in and Abigail recognizes the pitch as Tally's trying to win strike them and is like, okay, this is the Charvel spree stuff. Like she's like, Hey, it's not going to work hand to hand only. And they start fighting and like the goon grabs Tally. And then like, we cut very rudely away from them. So they're brawling and then we cut away. This is the worst possible person to use that on the thing with the high pitch that keeps them from doing work. Yeah. Worst person to use that on Tally. No, Abigail, let's trigger the PTSD girl. No, 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 100%. The goons didn't do their homework. So, yeah. But again, like, I find it really interesting. Like, we need to trust each other. And then Abigail gets immediately thrown into the Charvel situation. And is like, here we go. Charvel 2.0. Yep. Uh, But that leads us to Rail, who's found her way into some kitchen somewhere what is this carnival (laughs) why is there a kitchen this place makes no sense it's an industrial kitchen it looks clean i know i know everything else in this whole (laughs) avenue f looks like f and like except this kitchen it's this kitchen where they they make who's keeping these meals every day Yeah, who's upkeeping this army train training area? Is my Everybody question. Everybody made sure to do their side work before they left for the night because right. it looks perfect. It's so weird. And then we get Helen Graves 2.0. Not nearly as fun as Scylla Helen Graves. Okay, I literally wrote that in my notes. I was like, I look <laughs> better when she was Scylla. This one's all business and no play. <laughs> Oh my god, I think really what the thing is we just like Scylla. But no, I really do like yes. the other version of Helen Graves better. So mm-hmm. she sees Rael who's wandered into this kitchen for God knows why she thinks Anacostia is going to be in there. I know, because she loves cooking. She's shooting her food network special on the side. I don't know. Mama's baking cookies. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Baking cookies for all her babies. Rail. Come on now. <laughs> exactly. Well, so, Rail's a bad spy like Scylla. So yeah. It's like, soldiers, state your business. This is not the Helen Graves I like. No. It's the real Helen. I know. I'm so disappointed. It's still nice to see you, Helen, by the way. Yeah, no, we love to see you. Actress, we love you. Yes. So Rail calls her by name, which confuses Helen. And who wants to know how she knows her name and rail's like um it's me your bff from guard duty duh it's uh. <laughs> like i don't know who you are and i don't know Scylla ramshorn who the hell's that and it's been years since i've had to walk guard duty which god thank you that makes way more sense uh-huh than walking guard duty and my question is why do you think Scylla picked helen 
to cosplay. That's it. Because she's terrible. <laughs> well, also, I'm wondering, yeah, the one she's terrible. But I think that this was actually a good spy move. I think she picked somebody Rael had a very slim chance of running into IRL. So I think it was actually a good move because she's like, well, I'll pick this random necro in war college. Rael's never going to meet. So like this will never come up with Rael. Why is Helen at City Drop, though? Uh, exactly. She's <laughs> exactly that. I don't understand because they needed to like further this plot, I think. But that yeah, is why. Why, why is, is Helen actually here? <laughs> what does she have to do with City any Drop? Of, is any of this. So yeah, are all of these people quote unquote running it excited from Anacostia in War College? Is that part of War College? I, maybe. Maybe? I don't I don't know. Maybe. This is never explained. We're just throwing that out there. Maybe. I, maybe they're like it's the project. Like they had to put it all together. Right. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking they have to like as part of their like methods to fight the spree. Because like in War College they learn off canon work. So like maybe they're the facilitators. Clinical flashbacks. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Right. No, exactly. I think that's what this is. And they organize uh, it. Huh. That makes more sense. I'm yeah. glad we talked this out. Yeah. But I feel I think, better about life now. Yeah. <laughs> I think Sola picking Helen was a good move because what were the odds? Rail was going to see her. So, but yeah, the lieutenant. And again, Rail hates the army. So she's like, oh, someone in war college doing guard duty. Sure. That's normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rail. Rail would not question it. Let's no, be honest. She didn't. She's still not questioning it. No, she's not. She's like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. So Rail's not giving up on the fact that they know one another and Lieutenant Graves is not is like, uh, get back or I'm gonna declare you AWOL and um you don't want that, but I'm sure as heck gonna find out why you know me. And then we go back to the fight. Where Abigail and, and Tally are holding their own against these officers, are I have a question? Are they just that badass, or are these officers sucky? This whole thing makes no sense to me. This whole nighttime stuff, but yeah, why are they getting their asses kicked? They're seriously getting their asses. Yeah, kicked. it's weird. I mean, I I can understand why Abigail's kicking ass hand to hand right now because she lived this and she's being triggered right now, but like. What about Tally? Have, when have we ever seen Tally be good at hand-to-hand? We haven't. No. Yeah, Tally's <laughs> never been... We've never had any indication that Tally was a natural with hand-to-hand combat. Right. Because exactly. she seems like she is when when they're fighting. Yeah. Every move that she's making is, like, really is a great, you know, move. The fight coordinator, great job, because this enclosed space had to be hard. Yeah, totally. To work with. Right, Exactly. It, like, odds are against them in that regard, too. And exactly. Allie, Tally's doing well? Like, since when? Because you would imagine that these officers have a lot more experience in situations like that. Yeah, totally. It's very weird. But, I mean, the main point is... The main point of this scene is to put Abigail into PTSD mode where she's creaming the crap out of her her enemy, if you will, and will not stop punching them. And let me just point out that the officer that runs in and is like, stop, doesn't do anything. No, literally. But stand there and Tally has to be the one to pull her off. I know. Can't you like work, put Abigail to sleep or something to make her stop doing this? Thank you. You're just literally, or (laughs) go grab her. You're literally standing there telling her to stop. It's the most ineffective way. It's dumb. (laughs) It's almost like she didn't give a shit what happened to that other officer. 
you're going to fail your final in war college, basically. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Jesus. But yeah, anyway. Do you have anything else on this? Uh... Yeah, just, just the very, very end where what ends up bringing Abigail out of it is Tally and then oh, Rael shows up. Yeah, her unit. Yeah, and Rael is the one who's just like, Abigail, look at me, like, you're okay. And like, Abigail, mm-hmm. like, Tally's holding Abigail back and Abigail is like clutching Rael. And when Rael like gets through to her, like through the PTSD and all this stuff, you see it, it closes up on her hand and Abigail just like lets go. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this letting go of her pain and rage. And it's just mm-hmm. beautiful. And Ashley, you were so, so, so good in this whole scene. Like, Thank you for, because I, for, <sighs> I, so I forgot to make a note about that. And I, I like that. I loved that they had her, her blood covered hands just. Yes. It's so powerful because like this is so triggering for Abigail and you can see it in the fight like there's moments where you just see the pain on her face but Mm -hmm. she just like has to like you know she's trying to like redeem herself so she just puts it away puts her angry face on and just goes after them and and just she's right back in those moments she's in that moment where yeah she's trying to save Charvel and like Mm -hmm. she's not really in this fight she is fighting Charvel's attackers and yeah and the one that breaks her out I love that it's Rael that breaks her out of it because Rael's in the same situation. She's back at the wedding with Scylla. Mm-hmm. So like they're both not in this situation, but they connect with each other and they again put their unit and their unit dynamics above like all this other stuff that's going on. And that's what like tethers them to reality. So I think it's a very, very powerful moment for their unit dynamics. And it's just actually well done. Like the whole scene was beautiful mm-hmm. the way you played it. I love it. I agree. Yeah. They all did they all did a good job, but Ashley killed it. Killed it. It was beautiful. And almost killed that woman. And almost killed the officer. <laughs> yeah, but that officer sucked. So, well, whatever. So from there, we go we go back to the slumber party uh, where the lieutenant, her name is Lieutenant Purpoint. That's the blonde woman. Who what is this name? I don't know. But sh- th- what is this scene? Okay, so this, they're, they're basically what's happening is everybody else, I guess it's daytime and they're all up in formation in the, you know, the pool. And then... All the lieutenants, the bloodied ones, and Purpoint, who's giving the speech, are up there with our unit. And they're like, well, our first enemy combatants were defeated. And like, why the hell are they praising the unit? The unit just went AWOL from the slumber party and like fucked off and were just kicking ass of rogue spree agents while they went AWOL from what they were ordered to do. So like, nobody reprimands them for doing that. They're just like, great job, guys. You killed the combatants. Like, what is this? Anyway, (laughs) it's just weird. And the cadets that were sleeping are now, like, stomping. They're like, yay, spree agents were killed. And, like, it cuts to, like, the bloodied, uh, whatever, Officers. officer. I can't think of the word. Yeah, that Abigail was kicking her ass. And Purple is just like, whatever. Enough of the stomping. Like, whatever. And then it cuts to the unit again. And we see at this point, it has to be morning because, like, the plague's gone from their faces. And at this point, what she ends up scolding the Bellworthy unit for is continuing to fight after the threat was neutralized. And Abigail looks really ashamed of this because, again, she wasn't in the headspace of, like, City Drop. She was somewhere else when this was all happening and just looks ashamed. And it cuts to Libba watching Abigail like she's real mm-hmm. concerned. There's lots of sightings in this episode. Lots. Lots. And the key phrase is said by Lieutenant Perpoint, who says, when you're in battle, you represent nothing less than the American military. So, like, you're not supposed to just murder everybody. Like, I don't know. Have they met the American military? I know. I know. I'm like, okay, propaganda. Sure. And then something interesting happens here. So then at this point when they're like, hey, don't like, 
after they're neutralized, stop beating the shit out of them. And then these other, these other like officers or somebody with soldiers with red armbands with a cross on them, haul the pummeled girls out of there. And so I was trying to figure out like, is this, this version of like the red cross? Because like the, the colors are wrong. I thought they were fixers, just like the fixer unit. That are they? Is by. that what that is? Yeah. Oh, cool. So the, I guess the fixers have They're like combat medics have a our man. Interesting. I was trying to figure out what that was. Mm-hmm. Cool combat. So Braille, that's going to be you one day, maybe. Yeah. And so she's like, "Great, you killed those. You know, you killed them or whatever." So now here's our next mission. There's a high school a click east of here. They're spree agents, like go inside and like get get them and bring them out alive basically and like gives abigail side eye then they're dismissed and you can see like the last shots of like abigail who's just like who still looks really out of it like she's still in ptsd land but like poor abigail i feel so bad for her yeah i want i want to know do they not know what happened to abigail this is my question because i don't think so Ma'am, well, have you heard of PTSD? You, you, they need therapists. Not- nobody has therapy in the show. So no, I don't think they know what therapy is. But also, like, I wonder how much they know because Alder is still trying to, like, cover Keep up on shit. The DL. Yeah, cover up what happened there, really. So who knows? Maybe they don't know. I mean, they have to know that someone was killed. Yeah, like, I, I don't think a bellwether dies and people don't know about it. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's weird. Or if it's or it's like, hey, if this is simulating a real battle, even if you lost people, you got to get your head in the game. So mm-hmm. maybe it's just that like brush it off soldier attitude. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Who are these? Eh. What happens in war college? Like, <laughs> it's, it doesn't seem good if this is what the result is. Is this exercise? And I also feel like they were already at the high school because right? of the locker rooms and the pool. And <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, what do you mean? There's another school? Like, what is this area? Like, were they at the middle school and now they're going to the high school? I don't understand. Right. right. Me neither. Uh, whatever. Anyway, doesn't matter. But uh, same. We're just we're just gonna move on and run to the school. So everybody's running. Libba and Abigail are in the front. Uh, when they stop, Libba actually gives Abigail some nice advice. Oh, Libba. She just loves Abigail so much. And this is a, this is the point at which I started to worry about Libba. Yep. No, I was like, why are we getting so much <laughs> Libba screen time? I was going to bring this up. Like, the first time I watched this, I'm like, she's getting a lot of lines and screen time. Something yep. bad is going to happen. And yep. the second this happens to Isadora, <laughs> I'm going to get really upset. Like, something bad is about to happen. I will probably have to talk you down off of something. Yeah. What is happening? (laughs) I will flip tables. I will be right there with you. But But yeah, same. I was starting to get worried about Libba at this part of the show. I was like, what is happening? Danger. (laughs) So they're going into this high school like they weren't already in the high school. And they're supposed to be searching for these spree agent, these quote unquote spree agents. But they're not being subtle at all. They're just acting like they're casually walking through this school looking for people, not paying attention, not being stealthy at all. Again, it's more evidence they weren't ready for this. Like, (laughs) even this simulated thing. And Libba's like, we should fan out. I'm like, if anyone was in there, they would have heard that. I know. But I do love that, like, Libba recognizes that Abigail is just not here, and she mm-hmm. just takes over. She's like, I will be the leader then, like, if yeah. you can't do it. I love it. It's, I like that she, the For way she For all behaves. they're fighting over being a leader, 
they really I feel like they really do support each other at the end of the day yeah 100 percent. i love it i do love love it a lot in this episode um but we get an interesting little turn when tally kind of takes over the leader role in the unit yeah because abigail's not here right now abigail's not here yeah and says that she'll navigate abigail's gonna watch their backs like she's in any mindset to do that uh, and rail should identify and apprehend <laughs> 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 Which leads Abigail to make it. a crack about Rael bringing Scylla to the wedding and how she can de- she's definitely the person we should send to find more spree agents. I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> she's not wrong. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> Rael doesn't love it. <laughs> Rael absolutely does not love it. And, you know, I think that we're at the point where they're just... They're really getting under Rael's skin with this because she's not in a mind the mindset to really accept what was going on. But Tally is trying to drill this into her head. She's not fluffy Tally right now at all. She is serious, like war Tally. What if there was another reason? And she will not let Rael go until that point sinks in so that's when she actually when i I think she sees that it gets to rail and so she lets her walk away yeah 100 (sighs) percent for real yeah really i think this show should be called elliot lawrence tortures rail for two seasons yeah, no, like forever. Like Rails always getting mm-hmm. tortured. Do you think season three would be any different? Rails is still gonna no, be No, it's gonna be horrible, but I'm trying not to think about it. I know. I love the the dramatic shot they have after after Tally's like, what if there's another reason? They do this weird dramatic shot from far away of the two of them in the hallway for like a hot second and then it cuts back to them in like a medium shot. And I'm like, why did you why? There's just like for no reason. But anyway, because they could and it was fun. <laughs> I know. I was like, look at how far away we could do <laughs> the shot. Anyway, this hallway <laughs> is so cool it's and so we're going to show it. This is a long hallway and we're going to use uh, it. Oh my it's God. so funny. But then the scene ends with, so Abigail's the only one who's like listening to Libba and fanned out is like checking doors. And then she comes out of this classroom real fast and is like clear. And like, as Libba and her unit are marching by and they just look at her like, great. The fuck dog? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Keep that to yourself. <laughs> like, why you have to so go funny. Back? Right? It's so funny. Go back and watch that. Live a side eye, Please do it. So funny. <laughs> I feel like they joked. I feel like the behind the scenes for this episode had to be so fun. Oh my god, for real. All these it's goobers. It's hilarious. And after Abigail clears whatever room that is, she goes into this history classroom. I assume because. <gasps> Are you going to go into the timeline? Yes, ma'am. So there's a big timeline. There's a big timeline on the chalkboard of the history of the world. Thanks to Sarah Alder, basically. And so I want to spend a moment going through this timeline. And it shows. Oh, you have it, too. I wrote it down. Perfect. It shows how Sarah Alder altered everything, basically. So it starts with the Salem Witch Trials, and the date is 1692, which is when the Salem Witch Trials happened in our timeline. 
So this is when Sarah Alder sang the seed that changed the world. This is when the witch army was starting to create, be created with like pre-America's abolitionist group. And then in 1735, according to this timeline, that's when the war for independence started, which is much sooner than when it actually happened in our world. So in America now, this war for independence happened in 1973 to 1983. So Alder and her witches enabled this to happen much Wait. sooner. Or I'm sorry, 17, 17, 73. I apologize. 1773. So this happened like almost 40 years sooner because of Sarah Alder and her witches. So women get things done. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. For better or worse. <laughs> then in motherland in the 1800s it just is 1800 first mexican war so in american history in our world there was only one mexican war not Mm -hmm. multiple and it happened from 1846 to 1848 so not only did this happen much sooner but apparently it didn't go so well and there was a second one from 1810 (laughs) to 1812 for reasons that are not explained at this point and so this is the second Mexican World War. This is the Battle of Juarez. This is the Jem Bellwether story. So it sounds like that was pretty brutal because of how Jem died and what was going on there. But that was that. So that was Jem's, Jem's era was the 18, 1810, 1812. Then we have the American Civil War, which happened shortly after 1840, 1842, which happened in the 1860s in our world. Then we get World War. And very interesting, there is... No other world war. It's just world war, which happened from 18, or 19, sorry, 1908 to 1911. So world war one in our world happened in the 1914 to 1918. So kind of closer in time, which is interesting, but there's no world war two that came out of that, which is, I don't know what happened again. This is not explained, but fascinating. So it seems like that was the big war. And then we're like, cool, we don't need to do this anymore. And then just, that was it. So I guess Europe was in a better position after after this one. And then The Hague, interestingly, this one I have the most questions about. It says The Hague was founded in 1940s. And I assume they just mean The Witch Hague. So what I could find about The Hague in our time, The Hague could actually be traced back to the 1300s. But like the modern Hague as we know it, that's kind of stemmed out of all these global conflicts, happened in 1899. Like that's when that kind of, first started coming about so i don't know what the hell happened here but i guess the witch hague is what they're referring to happened in the 1940s way 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 after the world war which is a very interesting like it's almost like they don't correlate which is because the need for a hague like organization was being talked about after i mean it was like world war ii was at the end of that they're like hey I mean, it was talked about after World War One too, in a different, as a different kind of thing. But I'm just talking about as a a world organization to to look over, uh, make sure this shit doesn't happen again. Right, which is why I found it really interesting that it's it's like thirty years after the only world war they have. I would figure mm-hmm. it would happen sooner, but since for the reasons you just stated, weird. Then in the 1960s, we have the Chinese Civil War, which happened in the 1920s to the 1949 in our world. And then it's just from the 1960s on, it just says proxy wars, which is, I guess, kind of accurate. 
But what I, what's happening now, because it's just like random wars that America starts <laughs> after here. And they have at the very, very end, somewhere after that, it just says Rise of the Spree. And there's no date attached to that, which I find really interesting. But per Elliot, the spree happened like 20, 25 years ago from where we're starting this whole situation. So the spree happened somewhere after these proxy wars started happening. What I find super interesting, though, is that there's no wars in the quote unquote Middle East, given that the big like contention thing happening is the Tareem, which seemed to be located in that like deserty part of the world by like Russia that would be like the contested area. So it's like, how do we get that situation? It doesn't seem like that correlates with any of these wars. Unless it's being folded into the proxy, proxy wars. wars, I guess. But I find that really interesting. So that must be like a modern thing, I guess, is the whole Tareem situation. Like how long have the Tareem been persecuted? Is yeah, good question. I, I would imagine since all these world wars were happening, since they're the big group that's like, we're not participating in any of this. So I just find it interesting. There's no like, like how were they displaced in the first place? Where did they really yeah. come from? Like- Interesting. It's interesting. I don't know. It's just, I would really love to to dive into how Elliot altered history, like what his timeline versus, like what were his thoughts concerning this timeline versus our timeline? And why did witches change those conflicts and the formation of the Hague? Yeah. Why is it only witches? Why is, you know, are we just seeing the witches and there's a civilian arm of the Hague? Correct. Yeah, great question. I would love to know the details of how he came up with this, but like the overall theme is just like Sarah Alder literally changed the timeline of history and and the events. So not all the events happened that we know of, which is fascinating. Yep. But yeah, I would love to know how what his thought process was for this and if we're ever going to see some some of these things and like why they happen kind of thing yeah more history fascinating very fascinating yes so while abigail walks past this altered au history timeline she hears this like muffled moaning in a closet and the door is kind of shaking so she's like oh someone's in there and she doesn't hear the spray music playing that we all hear and she goes to inspect this door and the minute she grabs it it all stops it's just like dead silent and there's a goon in a beanie behind her who starts like whispering and Abigail turns and like lights start exploding and then they start brawling. And then Abigail brings her sexy, angry face to this fight that she got from mm-hmm. Mama Bellwether. And she knocks to do the, the, the goon to like the ground for a second and like gets up to like attack her. But then the goon just like flies back into the wall and she turns around and Libba and her unit came to the rescue and like wind strike the bitch into the wall because nobody's allowed to mess with Abigail except Libba. Mm-hmm. And that was what was going on in Libba's head, probably. And Abigail like takes a second to like check out Libba because she's like, well, that was hot. And then they flirt for a hot second. And then Abigail essentially apprehends the goon and like ties her hands and then puts this like not a silencing collar, but this little like silencing thing that goes over her mouth so she the goon can't do work anymore. And then <laughs> I have to like I have to like point this out. So then it cuts back to the Swythe unit. And <laughs> I don't know what's going on in the Swythe unit, but like one of the girls is like checking out the other one in the background. Go back and watch this. 
So something's going on in the Swythe unit. And <laughs> the, this is the gayest show ever. It's the, it's the gayest. And like that couple is the one that takes away the goon because they want alone time. And that leaves Libba with Abigail. So that works out for those two. And they start flirting and they're like, let's go hunting, girl. And they kind of like swagger out of there. As those couples are off doing their thing, it cuts to Rael in her lesbian Jesus night, like lurking outside the building in a window. And she notices Tally in the middle of a battle with a different spree, quote unquote, spree goon. And Rael's like, ah, fuck. So she runs into this room to save Tally. And then we get apparently a new thing Rael can do. (laughs) And in this situation, like Tally is like defensively fending off whatever this goon is doing. And Rail creeps up behind her and she says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And the goon passes out. And this passage she's quoting is Matthew eleven twenty eight, And it's a very, it's a very interesting thing. So in this, this line is something that Jesus said. So lesbian Jesus, hydrate yourself, literally quoting Jesus. And basically in this, Bible verse. He's inviting tired and weary people to like kind of come with him. And like, he's like, Hey, I'll take on all your burdens. And like, you know, you've been working hard and you're exhausted. And like, I'll take on all those burdens for you so you can finally rest. So I find this really funny because like this, <laughs> this woman is like putting all her strength to like try and knock out Tally. And it's getting nowhere. And Rail's like, Don't worry about that, girl. I got you. Just rest. And then she knocks her out. <laughs> so it's really kind of funny. It is funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. But apparently Rail now knows how to do Christo-Pagan, like, focused knocking out people. Off canon. Where did she learn that from? She's no longer knocking everyone out like she did in the previous episode. She's, like, singling one person out. So she's just learning to control her shit, basically. But, like, who taught her this? Like, did, like, Isidore didn't teach her this. This is, like, this is, like, session magic. Like, where did she, did Mama Collar be like, hey, listen, I know the fixing's great and all, but if you ever need to knock out a goon, like, say this. Well, she did it with her session magic before. But she was saying her healer prayer. That she I think she says. can just use. She's just like maybe this will work. I know enough Bible verses. I must be a Jesus. I honestly maybe. just think it was. I think that it's a just part of. I don't know that the words matter as much as the intention. But it would, but like, did Rail practice this beforehand? Is my question. Or did oh she yeah, just like she's I been, hope this works. Like she's been she knocking squirrels on? out at Fort Salem for weeks. <laughs> did no one notice all these like dizzy fast out squirrels like what the fuck's going on here yeah well, Rail's, like, 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 thumbs, like, like they just figure they ate too many nuts and yeah, they're you know, tired i don't know weary souls exactly i mean the squirrels are sleeping on the ground you know whatever. yeah i just missed a question because like this is off canon magic she's doing so like the army didn't teach her this this rail experimenting no. is my question somewhere either that or or off screen isadora has been like yeah, Isadora's like, I've been reading up on session magic, so let's experiment, shall we? Let's see if we can teach mm-hmm. you things. I, I believe that. Isadora lost Scylla, so she needs a new, like, pet project. And Rail was uh, connected to Scylla, so why not? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Her new little mentee. I like that. Isadora taught her this. Because I was like, I don't think Mama Collar taught you this before she, like, peaced no. out. No. Anyway. She would have been able, she wouldn't have had it. Yeah, No. No. I, I believe the healer stuff and then when she's doing healing magic she just couldn't control everything and was like wow I really wish you would shut the fuck up tree fine and then everybody <laughs> shut the fuck up so yeah 
I don't know. Or maybe like Isadora's like, hey, you should go like learn how to do that for real. And maybe Braille yeah. did some research. Probably. Yeah. I, I oh. think this came from Isadora. I like that. That makes sense. I don't think research is the right word. The research would have been her sleeping squirrels. But. Yeah. I mean, research to find this verse that she's looking for. She's like, right. oh, okay. this one. Let's Fair ex- enough. Let's experiment. Oh, this sounds like you're putting people to sleep. I'll yeah, she's it. like, well, Jesus, but, you know, was putting people to sleep. Rest. I can put people sleep. to sleep. I can do this. Yeah, I got it. I got it. These words make there sense to me. There we go. So, like anyway, it. after Rael, you know, lesbian Jesus knocks out this woman, like, Tally thanks her. She's like, thanks, you just, like, actually saved me. And Rael just doesn't say anything she's just very like neutral faced and then abigail and libba rush into the room together without the other two swythe unit members because they're like making out somewhere and abigail is just very thrilled that like she's like oh good you guys are fighting the spree and not each other because that's you know the point of this whole exercise a step up from where we were earlier yeah she's like step up let's get out of here so they get that goon out of there you know it just signals that we're starting to get to the point where Rail and Tally are going to be on good terms again, and Rail's getting to the, okay, fine, my girlfriend was a fucking spy. Yeah, she's getting slowly getting to the acceptance stage of the five stages of grief. Mm-hmm. But, alas, we go from the unit back to the war, or not back to, but we go to the war room where Alder is uh, has all of her... Her folks around we've got general clary and isadora who's i forgot oh. about this scene yeah, <laughs> i'm not gonna yeah. lie i was like oh i guess isadora is in charge of the the big screen tv this time she is no white coat this is combat isadora it's combat isadora and not casual combat isadora no like swoons and gay on this one her freaking facial expressions kill me in this oh my god it's so good her serious face is seriously hot Mm -hmm. so We've got Alder looking at this image of of the spree munitions factory that Anacostia ripped out of Scylla's head. And we're looking in the magic mirror and Alder asks Isadora for a status. So Isadora is receiving far speech communication from the strike team who is confirming that this is the spree installation and that the sixth floor is an armory. So Clary pipes up with like, where's your intel coming from? Because nobody knows that they had Scylla in custody. Right. Clary has the brain cell in this war room. She's like, yeah, what the fuck? Where is this coming from? Like, how do you know this? Yeah. No one, no one really ever questions where Alder gets her intel. Right. Except Clary, who's now getting to the point where she's, there is a certain faction within the military that's starting to question everything alder does correct and clary is one of those people so basically we get the strike team in the magic mirror two big trucks are driving past and they don't even fucking pay attention to them thank you why was no one tailing <laughs> these trucks yeah. they're just like oh we'll let them go uh, yeah bye-bye TTFN. <laughs> again everybody in the show's a bad spy this proves it they, they literally yeah. watched them leave and we're yeah. just like whatever that's not weird and they're casually sneaking up to this in this building when Alder Alder gives the order to breach and Isadora relays it to the strike team. But 
we uh, we cut away from there and we're back to city drop again. Wait, so before we cut away. Want to say? Before we cut away. Uh, what was Isadora doing off screen real quick? Oh, now, yeah, here real we quick. go. The, the real one. This, this is not the bonus segment. This is the scheduled one. So I totally forgot Isadora was doing this. And so when I read, because again, I forgot most of this episode. So when I saw her on screen, I was like, oh my God, Isadora's out of the lab. So what, how did this happen? So I think that anytime Isadora leaves the lab, she like pulls a Leslie note for Parks and Recreation and like has to leave one of the other necros in charge of the lab. And so I think she like has to brief this person and she like creates like 20,000 binders of like what to do. And so she's like, okay, listen, I'm going to be out of here. Like you're going to be in charge of the mycelium. This is what you do if it gets sick, if it's happy, this is what you sing it when it goes to sleep, you know? If it's winter, this is how you take care of it. And like the the necro minion is like looking at all these stacks of binders and it's just like, wow, Isadora, I can't believe you're getting deployed. This I how am I gonna do this? And Isadora's like, deployed. No, I'm going to all the office for like an hour. Like just, you know, <laughs> these are all the binders in case something goes wrong, just so you know what to do. So I think that's what Isadora was doing off screen. She's prepping the temporary like necro that's gonna be in charge for like the hour she's in the war room with like all of these emergency disaster plans, should anything happen in her absence. She's prepping her lieutenant to uh, take care of literally everything. Putting so the she... mycelium in a high chair and feeding it. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's just there's just <laughs> stacks of binders just about the mycelium, and she's like, "Great, but we got to talk about the other stuff too, about yeah. the morgue and like <laughs> just like binders everywhere." This poor yeah. necro's like, "God, I hope she comes back." <laughs> you got to make sure you spritz my mushroom garden. Yeah, here's the spritzer. I got it from Alder. Not a euphemism um, in any way, shape, or form. No. Sounds like one. Um, and then I just have one kind of quick question about the magic Isadora is doing. So I, I thought it was weird that it was, first of all, her doing it. What is she doing there? Right. Why is she the one doing it? And my question is like the big scry thing, because it's almost like a third party is like looking at whatever it is and they're communicating with it and putting it on the big scry versus like when the witches normally do this, they just put it, they're, they're taught. To use the scry to get it in their mind. That's how Anacostia taught them. That's why Dick Tally's like, I don't need a scry. I already got it. So, but I guess maybe to project it onto a screen like that is a different kind of magic. And my question is, is it necromagic? Is that why Isadora is doing it? Like, is Clary also a necro? It's, her specialty is never explained, but like, I'm just kind of curious. Like, why is Isadora, Isadora seems like a really weird choice for this. So I was just wondering, is it a necro thing? Is she like using her spies? Like, I don't know, mushroom pollen to do this. Like, is there is there a freaking zombie walking behind the? Yeah, are there crows that are looking at this Baylord, and that's how we're getting this image? I was just, it's she seems like a weird choice for this. I should try to make sense of it. I don't know. You have. I mean, thoughts? did they just want to put her in a scene? I think that's part of it. <laughs> I was just curious. I agree. Like, 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 let's put her in any scene. Yeah, she can do it all. Maybe. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, she can freaking drive Alder's car for all I care, but just put her in there. Yeah, but I just thought it was weird because Clary was the one doing it in the other war scene when Clary's mm -hmm. daughter died. And Clary's not doing it here. It's Isadora, so. Well, the only uh, other thing I'll add is that there were only three people besides the Biddy, or three people besides the Biddies that knew about Scylla being captured. And it was true. Anacostia, Isadora, and Alder. So that may be maybe a reason that she's there because she's one of the only other people that knows where the intel came from. So, and okay. then I'm like, they had obviously had Clary there because that's her she's role. Clary. 
he's Clary. So yeah, just interesting that Isidore it was is doing the projecting and not Clary. Um, the only other, I mean, and because I always assumed the reason that Isadora was in on her being captured in the first place was because of her being a, a necro. Right, me too. Possibly because she had some skill with extracting information, but we didn't see any of that. It was all Anacostia. Right. That's why I was wondering, too, if this, like, because they always say, like, necros are good for intel. I'm like, is this necro mm-hmm. magic where they're doing the intel by projecting this? Was the... I don't know. The food thing necromagic by some maybe the, the glamoring of mm-hmm. the glass yeah no idea maybe maybe that was his adorable in the background is like hi the that salami <laughs> you eat that salami girl i know you like that food <laughs> i know her favorite food she's my she's she's my little minty exactly yeah i buy that that i like that head cannon all right all right, we cleared that up. Moving. We're on. trying to inject Scylla in this episode because yeah, as much as possible because yeah. there's no Scylla. There's no Scylla, and I'm mad. I'm always not happy when there's no Scylla. Me too. Like, why am I here? Yeah. Anyway, because I like the show. Mm, exactly. <laughs> That's why we're here because we love the show in its entirety. Mm-hmm. So we're back to City Drop. Uh, Anacostia and and Helen are waiting for Rael outside the high school. And they they pull her over there, and they start questioning her about Scylla, basically, and what she wanted to know, what the person masquerading as as Helen wanted to know, and they inform her that the spree agents can take on other appearances, and that one of them took Graves' appearance. So this is kind of a nail in the coffin of Rael's grief process. Mm -hmm. She's getting to the point where she has to accept that Scylla was a spree agent because there's too many, too many things aren't adding up or too many things added up for it to be otherwise. So they, they ask her if she could, if Scylla could have had something to do with Porter and Rael doesn't really answer so Anacostia sends Helen away and this is where we see Rael. Oh God, I'm like getting choked up just because it, it, it she breaks me with yeah. this. The face journey. Cause like, again, these are the <sighs> questions that were never answered for her. Please tell me this isn't true. Yeah. She did the Porter stuff. She's like, yeah, that was the thing. I, this is what I was mm-hmm. thinking too. So she realizes that Scylla had everything to do with Porter and that she was the spree agent that everyone keeps telling her that she, or not everyone, but you know what I mean, that Tally says that she was. And then she just says, she said she loved me, which leads us to Anacostia saying the thing that the only time I've ever wanted to slap Mama Costia in the face mm-hmm. she's told you what you needed to hear yeah which I think is what <sighs> she's doing right now uh-huh yeah I think which I can't I can make sense of why she's doing this now but also like she does a complete 180 later on later. this because Anacostia knows 
that Scylla loves Rail because that's the thing that broke Scylla and she used her advantage. But I think she's trying to do like an act of mercy here for Rail. Like, mm-hmm. forget her, you'll be better off. Yep. But that's like, exactly what she's trying to do. Yeah. And but like, lo- Rail looks like she's about to have a breakdown. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that also wasn't the thing to tell Rail right no, now. No, it wasn't. So, yeah. It Poor wasn't. Rail. And I don't think... I think Anacostia let her need to give Rail some comfort of some sort, which is not comfort. No, like it, yeah. In her mind, it was something that would make it better sooner. Right. But it's like you need to forget about this kind of thing. Yeah. It's- My last note on this scene is literally kill me now. Yeah. Rail's heartbroken face that we linger on. Mm-mm. That was mean, Mr. Director. Uh, yeah, I needed some chocolate and tissues after that oh my god i know poor rail again the whole point of the show is just torturing rail always you should really just rename it yeah <laughs> motherland the torturing of rail collar mm-hmm. <laughs> avenue f avenue f rail collar in the motherland musical yeah for real like the <laughs> she's the mayor of avenue f mm-hmm Anyway, Rail, so after- <laughs> Mayor of Avenue, you know, okay, and let me let me give a little shout out to Amber, uh, friend of the podcast who Hi, Amber. does a lot of edits off the fly when she's listening to the episodes. I am I know I'm gonna see an Avenue F edit show up in my Discord chat soon, as soon as this episode comes out. I hope so. I want somebody to write this musical. <laughs> also, I'm going to write this musical. <laughs> I want the musical. <laughs> I'm tacking this on to my list of things to do. Exactly. It'd be so good. Oh my God. So yeah, that was just, I, I hated that line from Anna Costia. Like, I get it. But then she just does a 180 later. And I'm like, make up your mind, mm-hmm. Anna Like whatever. Why do the 180? Just stick with this. Yeah. Forget her real thing. Whatever. So from there we go Back to the war room where Alder and the gang are watching the Baylord attack go down on their giant wall scry. And at this point, trucks have fucked off. And we're not doing anything about that. So the witch army's like, cool, they're gone. So they won't see us. So they go up to the building and they get in the formation to like charge through this door. But then before they can do anything, this like blue flame engulf is, engulfs everything, including the building and the army, and just explodes everything. So it was like spree charm to just like go off in this blue smoke bomb. And everybody in the war room is completely shook by this, including Isadora. I think she's feeling so many things because like we saw, I think she can kind of like feel when witches die, but like is like holy shit. And and they were also kind of connected with this group like their far speech and like everything so she's feeling the loss of life and loses connection with this cry and the screen goes blank because i think she's overwhelmed and alder just looks like horrified because she's like what the fuck this was supposed to be my big victory with the spree and like that's the thing that alder's really on this just blindsided quest right now because she has to win points with the president that Alder doesn't really like, like Lynn's mentioned this in like after the storm interview, she's like Alder and Wade don't really get along. So she's trying to like one up Wade and like, anyway, so this is going wrong. And she's like, crap, I really, I really needed this. My plan just literally went up in smoke. And Clary's just confused. Like, 
you had this intel from mysterious source and now this just happened like why on earth would they just destroy their own armory like we confirmed this was an armory and alder like sits with this for a second and then she realizes what's happening she's like well they must not need this anymore oh shit the trucks <laughs> i guess they were important we need to find the trucks like alder you've been doing this for how long like, come on <laughs> they're all bad spies so they finally figure out those trucks were important and we cut away from all the confusion in the war room and into one of the trucks where Scylla's balloon handler from the mall attack is making a getaway. And we see she has this security badge with her actual face on it in the passenger seat that says Boston International Airport. So these trucks are that was from an armory is now hightailing it to the Boston International Airport. And they pass this, like, road sign that essentially says Boston Airport, and it's, like, 147 miles away. So they got a bit a bit of way to go, but they're, like, hightailing it towards an international airport. So, like, globally, this can't be great. We go back into the war room where Isadora gets whispers from who? Who? Like, who's she getting whispers from? Is it the dead witches? Is she getting necro whispers, mushrooms? Like, who is she getting this from? And she's like, we have this confirmed sighting now. The truck is headed towards the airport. It's totally dead witches. Yeah, it has to be. I think that's why Isadora's here, just in case something went wrong. <laughs> so she could talk to dead witches. So yeah, necromagic, we're not getting explained, but I guess we're seeing. And Alder's like, cool, maybe I can somehow salvage this situation. And realizes that the closest group of witches that are capable of doing anything are the cadets at City Drop. And Clary's like, what? I have to, I have to protest this because Clary has the brain cell in the war room right now. And Alder's like, she already made up her mind because she's like, no, 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 we have to stop. I need a win with the spree. This could go really bad and this could make us look even worse and more people could die. We have to do this. This is the only thing we can do in the time allotted. And Isadora brings up the sore spot. She says, well, what about Wade? What if she found out and Alder does not like this because she hates Wade. And she's like, listen, the cadets are the closest ones. We just, we got to do this. And again, this is Alder in that mindset of just like power over safety. She's like, this is it. We got to do it. And there's bickering and with Clary, who's still protesting this. And then all there's like, listen, whatever, they're going to do it. And she looks at Isadora to be like, okay, you're the far speech woman. Like, tell Mama Costia. And Isadora looks to Clary, which is weird. Like, she doesn't do it. She, like, almost looks to Clary like, Clary, should I do this? Which is interesting because we've never seen them interact before. And Clary's just, like, hanging her head. Like, she's like, I tried. This is my daughter 2.0. Something bad's going to happen to these women. And in her, like, silent observance of Clary having, like, PTSD about losing her daughter, Alder's like, are you refusing my order, Isadora? And Isadora's like, uh, no. And I think Isadora's kind of struggling with this, too, because I think she knows this is reckless also, but, like, they really don't have another option in reality. And that's the position that Alder's in, like, an armory of the spree is just, like, rocketing towards an international airport and, like, we have to do something. So Isadora's like, uh, no, ma'am, I'll contact Mama Costia. And she goes off to do that. And Clary, you just see the, the coup wheels turning. She's just staring at Alder and is just delivers the line of, well, I hope you know what you're doing. 
And Alder just like sits with this. And I think that Alder is actually conflicted by what's happening because this obviously is not a position Alder wants to be in, but she's just desperate. It's desperate times. And this is Alder, like the head of the military, the person who's been doing this for 300 plus years, getting more extreme. Again, it's like, you know, that common thread that's stemming from like everybody trapped in this world, like everybody's just getting more and more extreme. And like, this is Alder, who's flat out said, I ignore advice from the Hague all the time. I do me. This is her ignoring her own generals who are trying to warn her and just being like, nope, I know what's best. This is what needs to happen. And so it's just Alder's isolating herself and Alder is just getting extreme. And it's kind of scary. Like when even the one at the top is being like siloed into this, like, I know what's best mentality. I don't need to listen to anybody kind of thing. And it's just. Eerily similar to what we're experiencing in reality yep sure is so we all know this isn't gonna end well so they send all of these people who don't get into war college out to fight on the front lines uh-huh. so they're sending basically the same people except who haven't had a chance to see if they're going to go to war college or not as far as they're untested and untrained in a advanced sense. But also what's different about this group is remember when they were learning Windstrike? I guess Glory pointed out, she's like, hey, our training is being accelerated. So like, yep. not only is this like, like you're saying, these these would be the people that would be fighting the spree anyway, because they're the untested mm-hmm. one, the, the ones that failed the test, which makes no sense. But this particular group of cadets are less prepared because their training has been accelerated. So they've, they haven't gone through the same training as the ones currently out on the front lines have been. So like they're in an even worse position than like Clary's daughter potentially was, or her unit or like those fighting with her that like are failing against the spree. So it's just a really extreme and bad situation. And honestly, I think that Clary's unit was probably one of the, the most it was probably one of the most well-trained units in the army. Correct. And so they can't, if they go in there and get slaughtered by the spree and now they're going to send these cadets against the literal armory. Yeah. Thank you. (sighs) Who are not only, as you pointed out, or as I was saying, untrained, but as you pointed out, even less trained than a normal cadet would be at this point. Right. So, uh bad news bears like yeah i think that everyone has a problem with this from a from the perspective of this really sucks like this is not you don't have a good choice but this is not the choice and alder's like hmm but at the same time this is the the choice and i'm gonna make it even though I'm sending it, you know, like, because I mean, from I get from all the other. What's the alternative? The alternative is like we try to send somebody else after them who won't get there in time, and they take out an airport mm-hmm. or worse that this spreads around the globe. Basically, I really don't know. They don't know what the spree's planning either. That they too. just know they're going to the airport. They just think they're going to the airport. They don't know for certain they're going to the airport. Honestly, right. No, totally. It's implied, but like... It's implied, but... Also, if they're going to the airport with truckloads of shit, it's gonna take them like a hot minute to like do anything with that. 
So, but that's my question. Are they just going to park the trucks outside and do like an Oklahoma City bombing? Right. Or are they trying to get on a plane and go somewhere? Again, it's the spree. So honestly, there probably was no plan. Like the spree, yeah. the the Scylla's handler was probably in the truck being like, well, fuck, what are we going to do? And like making this up as she goes along. So to be honest, that's probably what the spree was doing. But, but like, there was some calculation to this as we'll see later. Yeah, for sure. They had they have um they have a plan B for when mm-hmm. plan A, which is runaway, doesn't work. But yep. yeah, I, yeah. It seems like they could have also sent another team to try and meet them, and like the last resort could have been these mm-hmm. cadets. But whatever. Or they could have sent someone to support the cadets, and like when they get there, that's what I'm saying. Don't. Yeah, yeah right. Just, just like, guys. Bad idea. Bad news but, mm. So we're back with City Drop, and apparently the cadets run everywhere here. I don't, yeah. <laughs> they're <laughs> so running. Just, they're running by as Anacostia gets the far speech from Isadora, and she does this big whistle to get them to all stop running. And gets them together and tells them that there's two trucks bound for Boston with mines and that this is not a part of the exercise. This is real life. Which leads Glory to go vomit. Poor and baby Glory. Poor baby Glory, but I'm with you, girl. Yeah. Uh, Abigail looks like she kind of won the lottery or something. She's like, I finally get to fight the spree. Yeah. Um. But then she and Libba flirt some more. They sure do. But before they before they do that, Mama Costia tell like Mama Costia when she gets a far speech looks like oh fuck like she yeah. doesn't love this either. And then she tells the cadets, she tells them, "I believe you're ready." Which like, do you? No, she doesn't. How could you believe that, Mama Costia? She's Come lying on. just as hard Ugh. as she was when she told Rael. I know. Costia, oh, who is this benefiting? She's just and and uh, we're this is going to be another layer in the unpeeling of Anacostia's trust in Alder. Totally. Because she has so. to play the drill sergeant. She's like, well, I don't believe this, mm-hmm. but you guys got to believe this or we're all going to die. Exactly. Yeah. I've got to make you believe you can do it so we can get through this. Exactly. Exactly. Like, ugh. Uh, yeah. it just It just sucks. Like, you just see, like, nobody believes in this. Mm-hmm. And, like, it just, it just trickles down to, like, everyone in this cascade of army people. It just, everyone's put in a really shitty position by this. It wasn't a good idea to begin with. Everybody <sighs> knows it, and it's just going to get worse from there. Totally. But yeah, the the, the flirting t- takes place in the bat, so... Honestly, we needed all this flirting to break up all the terribleness that's happening. And this good is- <laughs> lord, did we? <laughs> we really did. Thank you, Libba. Yeah. We needed this. Because Scylla wasn't on screen to flirt with Rail, so we needed this. They uh they're they're trading good natured insults at this point, so they're revisiting all some of their old insults, but yes. putting a um flirty s- nostalgic spin? flirty spin on it. That's so cute. Like a sweet little insult war. Yeah. But then we've got Rael and Tally who are silently apologizing to each other through like telepathic communication. I know. Rael can't even say it. She <laughs> yeah. just like is like so uh, yeah. Ugh. Uh yeah, so I know and you know that you know that I know. Yeah, basically. And Tally's like, and, whatever. Yeah, and Tally and Abigail share kind of the same thing. Yep. For a hot moment. Then Anacostia calls Rael over and gives her a pep talk about the reason the spree targeted her. 
because she's strong. They they get the strong ones. And Rail's like, I don't feel strong. What the fuck are you talking about? I know, you've been like bringing me down this yeah. literal whole time. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Why? You, I don't believe you now. Like, I don't feel... Well, obviously she's in that spot where she's been betrayed and she feels the most vulnerable she's ever felt in her life, probably. Yeah, no, 100%. Because she shared all these things with Scylla and, and to her, in her mind now it was all a lie. So who can she trust besides her unit? Yep. Tally, I think she's come to realize that Tally was was right as far as she was protecting her, etc. Mm-hmm. And then Anacostia tells her to trust her unit. They'll get you through. But where did all this trust your unit stuff come from if if this is the first year they've done the unit thing? Also, Anacostia says before she did the lesson line, she's like, I see you trust them. It's like, where are you getting that? They've mm-hmm. been just fighting with each they've other fighting this, this whole, time. whole time. What are you talking like? What does Mama Costia really see when she looks at the unit is my question. Because She's like, oh, I see Rael's really strong immediately since day one. And then, oh, they clearly really trust each other, which is why they're always trying to kill each other. Like, what did... What? Are you trying to say, is this one of your, like, cover-up things where you see their potential that whole time, but you see them fighting at the same time? So you're like, mm, if I say it, you'll believe it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what is this, Mama Costia? Make up your freaking mind. Mama Costia's trying to gaslight Rael into yes! some positivity. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. You are so right. Rael gets gaslit the most on this show, and she's being gaslit by Mama Costia. That is exactly what's happening here. Holy fucking shit. Mind blown. Yeah. Mama Costia's uh, gaslighting Rael. My God. I I think Mama Kasi is also trying to convince herself of a lot of things at this point. Uh, so just yeah. jump on the fucking train with that. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Also, put a pin in why the spree is targeting rail. We'll get back to that. Yeah, we'll get back to it. We'll but, get back to that. Uh, Mama Kasi and rail kind of share a little moment. Uh, Anna Kasi looks out the window and, and sees that it's they're getting close to their drop point. And tells everyone to salva up. Salva up, ladies. Like Flying Lady yeah. taught you, I hope. Flying Lady. <laughs> mm, did she really teach you? That's what I'm saying. Abigail's like, we got this. And then they jump. Yep. That's lots yeah. of jumping out of planes. Yeah, we get to see them. You finally planes. learn. <laughs> Helicopters. Helicopters? Yeah. Flying uh, machines. And they finally learned how to use their salva properly when jumping out yeah. of such planes. Have they been practicing that on the side? That's what I, I they have to have been. Their their lands are way too graceful. So Well, not all of them. Except Tally. Who <laughs> she does it this time because we don't see her break her ankle or she didn't rail fixes her. We don't see it. Right. But anyway, so they fly through the air and land on the ground. And we see that at this point where they're landing is uh US twenty east is the road, and now they're twenty five miles from Boston International Airport. So like these trucks were fucking hightailing it so it's been like maybe they're going 100 miles an hour i would assume so it's been an hour free gas in them what is happening (laughs) yeah what is what is the actual timetable here you cannot tell me you couldn't have sent a flying vehicle that could have met these trucks whatever anyway because whatever this is all ridiculous so now apparently 100 plus miles have passed and the cadets are Already on the ground. So they've had time to land and then have some pep talk with Anacostia about what they're going to do because no one was planning for this. 
And so they're in this like V Mighty Ducks formation with Anacostia. Thank you! I was literally going to say that. Hell yeah. And they're blocking the whole road, basically. And because of storytelling purposes, Anacostia is in the front of the V with Tally hovering over her shoulder. <laughs> front and center. And Rail's next to her, then Abigail, then Libba, who's like not next to her unit. She's next to Abigail. Yeah, what the... Again, we needed the sapphic vibes to make us happy in this <laughs> episode. So thanks for putting them together. And Anacostia is just telling them, hold steady as these trucks are rocketing towards them. <laughs> and it cuts from here to the war room. So we see that the, you know, all they're in the gang are watching this. And now we're in the unstoppable force meets the immovable object scenario. And we're back at the cadets who are just holding their ground against the trucks and people start straight up panicking. And one girl just like fucks off from the feet. <laughs> She's like, I'm out. Peace. She just leaves. And like, yeah, it's so funny. Like watch her leave. She's just like panicking <laughs> in the background and just leaves. And then somebody next to Libba tries to do the same thing. And Libba's like, Oh hell no. And grabs this girl. She's like, fucking stand right there. I don't want to see this bull- bullshit. And the truck's get closer and, and it has to, and it gets to some distance where Anna Cossie's like, great, let's do it. And she's like, now. And they do a group wind strike at the first truck and they demolish Spree Handler's truck and it fucks off to the side of the road. And for some reason, Anna Cossie is like, Rael, go make sure no one leaves this truck. <laughs> Why, Alive. why on earth you know Rael is having a mental breakdown and is emotionally all over the place so th- her work is compromised and you're sending her the one that was targeted by the spree by herself after spree survivors which is insane because as we see in a minute the spree know Rael and know how to like work against her so this is a really bad move by Mama Costia. But storytelling-wise, it gives Rael closure. <laughs> but why did she do that? Ugh, whatever. It's a serv- service to the story. Uh, said Libba! Libba would have made more sense. Swythe's team, go get them. Whatever. This was dumb. The Swythe team should have gone after them. A, a unit should have gone. Mm-hmm. But she sends Rail by herself. Sure. And then she's like, great, Tally. Look inside the truck and tell me what's going on. And she sees there's like the pool toys and like basically they took the armory stuff, put it in this truck that's parked very far away from them now because it saw first truck explode. And she's like, great, there's people in there chanting, which one of the people looks like Gemma Whalen. And I was so confused. I'm like, why is she on this show? If you don't know who Gemma Whalen is, she played Yara Greyjoy in Game of Thrones. And I was like, why is Gemma Whalen? But it doesn't matter. And I love it, though. And she's like, Tally's like, okay, it looks like they're doing work and they're arming the mines. And that's where we leave. So then we get Rail, who shouldn't be out in this field chasing down the spree leader, who does the smart thing for once in a spree's life and turns, uh, burns their face into Scylla. Yeah. (laughs) Because they knew Rael. Yeah, (laughs) because they knew Rael's weakness. And ours. Literally, if that was anybody else, if that was anybody else chasing them, this move would have done nothing. So. Whatever. It's Scylla, but not Scylla. And they fight, which I, I guess it's 
maybe Mama Costia was banking on her being mad enough about the situation to kill the spree agent, but... I guess, but, like, what if Rael was just emotionally crippled by this, and then the spree lady kills Rael because she can't use work because she's all over the place? Like, it was a dumb so, she basically beats the spree agent down, even though she tries to pull the, it's me, Scylla, or it's me, Scylla, let me try to tell you things. But no, Rael's like, everything about you is a lie. And with the Jesus light behind her, the clouds. Yeah, which, what time yeah. of day is it right now? Anyway, and this is Rael's acceptance. She got through the five stages of grief here. This is yep, it. She, she kills the spree agent slash Scylla's face. And that's her closure yep. for the moment. Yeah. And it's just like the last shot is just her bathing in the light, accepting the truth. and Yeah. Which is so... <sighs> I don't like it, but I like... I mean, I like the writing. I don't like the situation yeah they elliot talks about this in after the storm because again like rail very much up until this point has been you know silifer 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 and this is her accepting her situation and all the stuff about Scylla, and this is her putting the unit first and that's like something that goes forward with rail so this is just her accepting all of that and like what what is real and what isn't kind of thing and but she really doesn't know what's real and what's not still. I mean, not the full truth, but the the truth of Scylla being in the spree and Scylla targeting her was real. Roar. But poor real. Yep. <sighs> so yep. we go and back to yeah. the to Anacostia and the truck. We sure do. Which is now a ten ton bomb that they have to destroy. Uh, but Sally, who is apparently the most powerful knower in the land ever, <laughs> you know, magically, magically overnight, overnight yes. sees these civilian hostages in in the truck, and Anacostia reports this to back to the war room, and that's where yep when we go back to the war room. Because we have a situation, and Isadora's like, "Well, great, they have hostages in those in the last truck, and all their, all their face totally shifts, like, oh, those fuckers." But she brushes that off because she's like, "You know what? The mission hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. uh, destroy that shit." And Isadora's like, "What the fuck?" And again, gla glances at Clary mm -hmm. for help, and all this like, "What are you guys looking at? Go tell them to go," and then. It cuts to Mama Costia, and Mama Costia is getting this order from mm. Alder via Isadora that's saying, whatever, do it anyway. And you just, like, see her have this face journey of, like, her beliefs are being shattered. Kind of like, she's almost having this, like, parallel army idealism, an army slash uh, Alder idealism being shattered by this whole scenario. But because they're in it, they have to keep it together. Her face, when she closes and her, her face, eyes... Oh my god, yes, Demetria, well played, ma'am. Like, her face journey, as she's giving the order, is so painful. Because Mama Costia doesn't believe in this and doesn't want to be doing this either, but they have no choice because she got an order. And she's like, alright guys, just like in training, we're gonna grind it into dust. And Tally 
runs up to her and she's like, what are you doing? I just told you there's hostages. Like, and Anacostia tells Tally what she needs to hear, like Scylla apparently did to Rael, and says, the spree are making you see things. My intel says there's no civilians on board. And Tally's like, well, but I can, I can see them. What are you talking about? And she's like, my intel comes from Alder, Tally. So do you understand me? Which totally has a double meaning, but Tally doesn't get it. And again, Tally's back in that position of just being a good soldier versus being a good person versus like trusting herself that she's been in since she outed Scylla. And now this questioning of the army for Tally is going up to Alder like it is for Anacostia. And like, remember when we got a Tally in the pilot just like gushing over Alder because Alder's like, I think she's been hero worshiping Alder when she was hero worshiping the army as a kid. And now it's like the start of Tally being like, well, can I trust Alder fully? And and that's the same journey that Anacostia is on. So it's very interesting that these two have this like kind of parallel thing going on with this. And Tally just kind of steps away after that line and just looks very hurt, disillusioned by the whole thing. Cause she's like, well, I guess if Alder says so, this is going to happen, even though I see something that's conflicting with that. And then the whole horrible thing just starts happening. The the truck comes towards them. Rael is back now after killing the spree agent or knocking her out. I don't know. And they're in their formation. And Mama Kasi's like, listen, I guess they're doing wind shear is I guess what they're doing because they, they're grinding it. And so they're like, this isn't going to work unless they're close enough. So it like literally has to come close, close enough to us. And then Lieutenant Pulpit or Pulpit or whatever her name is chimes in and she's all of us. And she's like, is this going to work? And Mamakasi is like, it has to, because we got nothing else. And so when it gets close enough, she gives them the signal and they all do the wind shear and- Except for Tally. Except Tally. So I'm like, did this not work fully because we all weren't doing it, Tally? And it starts working, but it's just not strong enough. And part of the truck just comes through the barricade and we cut away. So did did they not finish arming this before they wind sheared it or did it just does wind shear negate the spree mine? I have no idea. That was my question. I'm like, well, what were these mines armed to do? Because literally nothing happens when they blow it up. Just supposed to explode all of those flotation devices and make everybody kill themselves? Right. Oh. Why was there yeah. no spree magic that came out of this? There's like 50 at least balloon type things. What the fuck? I don't understand. I don't I don't know. I have no idea. Eh, yeah. Whatever. Very weird. No idea. Yeah, Elliot explains. Please explain. Or Joy. Joy, Joy. you this. Joy! What the, what the heck's going on? Tally not participating is uh, a little act of not re- she's not rebelling. She's she just can't do it. No. Yeah, I'm in shock that this because is because not only can she see them, she can feel them. So there's a level of empathy going on. I think so. She's like, I can't. They don't want to die. Mm-hmm. I can't be a part of this. But like, I'm like, did you not helping lead to the catastrophe mm-hmm. of them not all being powerful enough? I don't know. But does that mean that knowers have the ability to, to, like, some kind of 
power of empathy as well. I would think so. Cause like Tally's been the empathetic one this whole mm-hmm. time. And she was the one when like the pool attack happened that was like, I can like she, what she was describing was like, I could feel what was yeah. happening. Not just like see the horror. I felt it. So they're kind of like, they can see the things that are happening, but also have a heightened empathy. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Makes sense. It's part of the knowing, right? Yeah. It's all encompassing, like feeling and seeing, I guess. I need I need information on each class. Of which yes. Mm-hmm. Please explain. Please explain, Elliot. So <sighs> here's here's uh. where our premonitions come true. Oh, no. Abigail wakes up on a cot inside of inside of one of the bats, and Anacostia is there. Uh, she tries to get up, but uh, Anacostia tells her, like, like, wait, take it easy. You got hit in the head. And tells her that Tally and Rail are on the way back to Fort Salem on a different bat. And then says not everyone made it. So there's a body in the bat with them. So I'm guessing they're in the injured people's transport. Yeah. And Abigail pulls back the sheet or the blanket and it's Libba. And I'm sobbing so hard right now. Yep. Um, Ashley absolutely murdered me mm-hmm. with Abigail telling Libba to get up. You dirty swipe. I know. It's so freaking sad. She's so screaming at her sad. to get up and it reminds me of a scene from another show. I don't know if any of you ever watched Buffy, but there's an episode called The Body oh, God, where yes. Anya, the character Anya, gives that speech about not understanding why death happens. And I feel like this is Abigail facing death again, the death of someone she knows and grudgingly has respect and affection for on some level. <clears throat> flirting all yes. those times <clears throat> so Abigail's falling apart and Anacostia just kind of holds her she like leans back onto Anacostia and it's just the most sad this episode is just not a fun episode nothing in this episode is fun No, the flirting was fun and then they ruined yeah. it they ruined it with this scene. And the reason she died is a piece of debris sliced up her heart too bad to fix. Listen. Metaphor? Come on. This is not cool. Ugh. No, it's not. Abigail and Libba could have had a beautiful relationship. No. Well, they had to make room for Adele, so they had yeah. to get Libba out of the way. Get Libba out of the way so they could bring in Adele. But, but you could have, like, sent her somewhere. Yeah. Have to do this. She could have just happily gone to war college and biffed off or something. I know, but in the after the storm, Elliot basically confirms he pulled like a Game of Thrones here, where he was like, not to keep bringing up this, that show, but like he's basically like, you know, Libba dying brings everybody back to the reality of this story that this isn't Harry Potter, like, you know, this is a world where they're soldiers, and this is the reality of war, like they can die mm-hmm. even your faves, basically. So that's why it had to be somebody people were attached to. It couldn't be like, oh, Rando died. Somebody they Rando. made you even more attached to in this episode. I know. Exactly. I mean, you know they're gonna die when that happens. I know. 
they suddenly have so much screen time. Mm-hmm. You're like, something bad's gonna happen. But yeah, that's what they were doing. But uh, eventually so they get back to the base and the unit is standing and watching uh, soldiers fold up the flag over Scylla's coffin. Um, Abigail's tearing up. Rael and Tally are just super solemn. Um, and they watch pretty much the whole thing. But Abigail leaves. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before they leave. I just want to note, there is a super sad version of the theme song playing in the background yes, this whole time. there is. And the flag folding ceremony over the casket of the fallen soldier is something we do mm-hmm. in the American military. And so it's this very like symbolic moment that's happening. And I think they're kind of like re- trying to like reflect, have everybody kind of reflect on this thing that like they all just went on this mission. They weren't ready for, for the good of America. And the cost of all of that was this one soldier's life and in the process, they had to kind of, whether knowingly or unknowingly, forego their morals to do this. And the ones that knew that were like Tally and all the officers because they just killed a bunch of innocent people to do this. And look, the consequence of this is we lost another witch. And so I think that's like the reality aspect that Elliot's trying to drive home here. And my question is, so Libba died. Is she the last swathe? of childbearing age like is this the end of the swites too good question i don't know that they ever addressed that but i'm wondering like is like not only is this the end of libba is this the end of yet another big powerful witch line like the swites hope not i hope libba had some i sisters. hope not but it could be where we're at with this story it sucks so bad great one more thing to get depressed about thanks theora I know. Well, I didn't write this. Joy did. And her friend, I forget who else wrote this. Sorry. Scrolling back up. Ellie. You guys are, you guys shouldn't be allowed to write together. Yeah. Yeah. Stop this. So depressing. You double my antidepressants after this. Let's go back and revisit episode 205 or 201. Yes. Thank you. Yes. But, um, anyway. So after, after they leave, the flag folding ceremony. They're back in the room and they're all sitting around. Um, Rail asks Abigail if she's okay and then immediately regrets it and is like, that's a dumb question. None of us are okay. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, Abigail s- just kind of spouts out the party line and Libba's not here, but she died with honor, so pledge fulfilled. Uh, and Tally takes that moment to tell them that there were civilians in the second truck that they Abigail is in her own denial about that for a hot minute and argues that they wouldn't have been ordered to take it out, take the truck out if there were hostages. But Rael is like, Hey, hi, how, where have you been? <laughs> we need to finish basics. So they just throw us into that. What are you talking uh, about? That and you know, Hey, the army does a lot of shit. That's questionable. Uh huh. So, she goes and she's like, Tally, so what did you see? And Tally says, it's not really what I saw, but what I felt. They didn't want to die. And I, you know, she told Anacostia. And Rael says, like, did, and she didn't care? Because I guess they're thinking this came from Anacostia. 
But Tally tells them that she had intel that comes straight from General Alder that there were no hostages. And then Abigail is like, well, they wouldn't send us into a mission without all the facts. And I'm like, Abigail, what the hell has your mom been teaching you? <laughs> because <laughs> that is something yeah, that mean, they absolutely would do. Yeah. It's a need to know thing. So then they, it's pointed out, you know, they sent us in before we finished basic Abigail. And, and Rail says that she believes Tally. And I I don't think Abigail wants to say it, but say that she does, but you know, she does. And she says, we'll figure this out together. And so this is kind of the first time you see the unit bonding or coming together against the general army structure as it, as in like they're taught, they're like, okay, we'll figure this out. But within this, within the confines of, well, I mean, they're forced to be in the army, so. They're making a pact mm -hmm. to put the unit before everybody else. That's what they're doing. Thank you. That's what I'm trying to say, and I can't get it out. Yeah, which is interesting because it's interesting that Abigail in this conversation kind of struggles with that a little bit. Whereas in the beginning... When she confronts Tally, she's like, how dare you not tell me and the unit? What about the unit? So it's weird that, like, Abigail was in the headspace of unit first back then. Then Libba dies, and she's like, well, but the army. Like, what, Abigail, what happened? I mean, are you <laughs> what happened? Are you just trying to grasp? Yeah, are you regressing? Are you regressing? Grasping it? Are you falling back on everything that was safe and that you knew and there was control and no one would send you into situations where you... It yeah, that makes sense. She's like, but the Bellwether playbook yeah. said this. Yeah, maybe that's what's happening. I just thought it was weird because I was like, you you had it a minute ago, Abigail. What happened? I think she but, yeah, just I wanted to go back to safe ground. Totally. Yeah, because like her world's ripped under her to mm -hmm. see Libba die. Libba dying is a big deal for her. And and yeah, Ashley says that in the After the Storm. This is like, again, her coming to terms. Uh, this is something that's been chipped away at Abigail, really. But it's coming to terms with like, well, can I trust everything my mom ever told me about the mm -hmm. military? Can I trust Alder? Can I trust the army's always right? So like you're saying, like, that is what's happening with Abigail here. So I think it's rails. Like I've been in this headspace the whole time. Did you not hear my mom and drama? And then and Tally's been sitting with this dilemma as well since the wedding. So they're all kind of coming to the same conclusion together that mm -hmm. like, maybe we cannot trust all these people. And, you know, maybe we can trust us and so we've said this before and you especially has pointed this out that like being in the unit and forced to being in this unit dynamic really is the best thing that ever happened to them and and it is in this survival piece of this whole world they're in because like again they're being forced to do all these things and so it's good that they have at least two other people that they can actually count on while they're going through all of this moral gray because they right. had to leave their morals at the door when they did this, really, without knowing it. Like, that was taken from them against their will. And I think that's partially why Tally couldn't participate in the wind shear. Because she's like, I still have my morals and you're trying to take my morals mm -hmm. away. And I know what I feel. And, like, I can't just do this. And everybody else did it without realizing it. And it's just... It's really awful. messed up. It is. And, and it's... Yeah. It <sighs> It's no wonder that people question Alder's decisions because when you look at it on a micro level, as far as what the cadets are going through, they're, they're not going to see a bigger picture of why Alder's doing what she's doing. 
Correct. They experience what they experience, and that's that's it. Exactly. Exactly. No, totally. And that's where it's like, was the greater good outweighed by this one questionable kind of action? And it's like, isn't that the whole dilemma with the spree? The spree is after this big noble goal, but they're doing horrible micro targeting like their their little battles, quote unquote, that they're doing to achieve the greater good are horrific, like in comparison to like their goal. So it's like it's kind of putting the army in a similar position. They're they they just did something horrible that they say they don't do for the greater good. So it's like these are the moral quandaries we kind of get stuck into in these like kind of conflicts. They're not and so, so it's different like, from it, the spree. No, and like so the question is like, is Alder evil for doing this, or was all you know is Alder justified by well the greater good was stopping the spree from killing a bunch of civilians? So what? I mean, we lost one soldier. But the millions of lives could have been saved. Lost one you know, so it's like and a bunch of civilians. Right. So when you're outweighing, yeah, that we're not gonna talk about, we're not talking about that. Yeah. No, we're not. But you know, like again, like I can see why Alder did it, but you know. And that's what makes the show so fun, because again, it's all about the perspective of the person. Yeah, like you see why she's the did right it, thing to do or not. You're 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 dumb if you think there's not gonna be blowback from that. Totally. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's always consequences to your mm-hmm. actions, regardless. And somebody's always going to view it as being bad. Somebody else is going to be like, yeah, yeah, that was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, the people at the Boston airport were probably like, yeah, thanks for that. I'm still alive. Right. So, you know, uh, it's all about perspective of the person. And the cadets that just did it are like, what the fuck? Like, and, we relied to you and thrown into this. But and then the sp- you're calling me a hero. Like, people you know. that are spree and, and or sympathetic to the cause or like see this is why we're doing what we're doing because exactly you guys are out here kill like killing they just other murdered witches more witches and and exactly. are you know it's like stuff. yeah exactly so we will get this when we we'll we go into this when we get into sarah alder's tv show mm-hmm. but like it's all about perspective and how you spin the situation yeah. Because what we just did is spun the situation from everybody's perspective to make their quest justified. You can easily justify these atrocities to be like, see, we're the good guys, see? From any angle. From any angle. Exactly. But. (sighs) Yeah. So after the unit makes their pack, we go to another kind of crossroads of sorts where Anacostia confronts Alder. And she reports to Alder's office and like, the opening shot when she comes in is just the lesbian Jesus like drenching Alder. So she almost looks like this mythical figure, like goddess in the window. And I think it's very significant because, you know, Anacostia as, as a fosterling was quote unquote saved by Alder and like taken in by Alder. And like, she's in the position she's in now because Alder guided her. And that was like, you know, her savior figure in a way and like mother figure. And so I think it's important that she's like haloed in this light, but Anacostia, when you cut to her, like Anacostia, like, the window, like her face is in dark, is in the shadow, and part of her is in the light. So it's like Anacostia is like in on the precipice between like pro Alder against Alder kind of thing. So I love the way they did that with the lighting. And you just see that Anacostia is not okay with anything that just happened. And Alder tries to apologize. She's like, Hey, I'm sorry we couldn't give you warning. I'm I'm sorry we lost Libba today. I mourn the loss. She, I'm going to tell her family she was a hero. And Anacostia just is just, all her responses are just like robotic emotion. Yeah, it's robot, robotic. That's the word, just robotic. Like she's like, I knew I was going to have to come in this office and like 
be like, yeah, Alder, we did the right thing, but she's just, she's she can't even. Not here for it. No, she can't even get through it. The, the first response is very robotic. And then she's like, well, Alder, since we lost a cadet today in an improvised mission, so she's mad that she's like, you made me do this. You made me improvise this with people who weren't ready. And Alder's like, you know what? I'm going to do a prep conference. We're going to address the Libba thing. I'm going to call her a hero. It's going to be fine. And the world is a safer place for what you did today. Because again, this is the army justifying what they just did as for the greater good. Wrong thing to say. And Manicosti is just like, I should return to my troops. Bye-bye. And she leaves. And I think Alder having this, like, not a confirmation of, yeah, you did the right thing from Anacostia, who's like her number two, kind of like pro in the pro Alder camp, is a little bit of a signal to her that like, oh, okay, maybe this didn't go so well. Because um, you see her like amazing jaw muscles clenching, almost like she's like weird. Because again, Alder is like just siloed in her own little world where, she's just like what i don't even care that you're telling me these things like whatever i know i'm right i know i'm right like and to have somebody kind of close to her not immediately be like yeah you did the right thing your generals are all crazy for not agreeing with you i think kind of sits with all there a little bit here also anacostia's voice breaks when she's it, mm-hmm. oh that was something yeah when she lets her feelings mm-hmm. out about you just sent me in that horrible position and those horrible gr- and those girls like yeah Jeez. it's so emotional the way she delivers it rick and demetria <sighs> well played babe you and ashley had quite a show yeah, this, this is totally so the good. demetria and ashley show yeah it was amazing and rail is just you know constantly sad <laughs> yeah zombie rail <laughs> in the it's, background it's just it's taylor's baseline so. <laughs> yeah you did great too but like you're always doing this it's just yeah. they're doing it <laughs> Oh, I have such an image in my head right now. She's rail wandering around looking sad. That's that's ninety percent of the 90% show. Ninety percent of the show. Well, it, it, when Scylla's not there, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like sixty forty when Scylla's there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, she's either like super sad, mad, or, <laughs> or right. Super that's happy. what I'm saying. Like exactly. Unfortunately. We're going to go see more sadness because we're in back in the room and I don't know where Braille and Tally biffed off to, but <laughs> like they're conveniently gone when Adil shows up and knocks on the door. Um, he- also, why does Adil <laughs> know where her room is? Yeah, what the fudge? <laughs> what the Did she like bring him there for some secret makeouts or something at some point off screen? Right. Did he ask around? Like, well, how did he get there? So weird, but whatever. Uh, whatever. By the way, this is the point at which I'm going to slip in my what was blank doing off screen. Hell yeah. Who is it? It's it's Kalita. Yes! Because <laughs> we don't get her either, Elliot. Her and Scylla are nowhere, and I'm mad. What was she so, you remember when Kalita took down the most powerful witch in, like, the world? with oh, yeah. the power of Who her voice that? and killed killed all the, the plants, right? Well, Kalina's mm-hmm. like, hmm, I'm going to grow some more plants to replace these. And so she's now taken over Alder's little witch garden for herself yes. and changed all the plants over to things that she wants. Like, uh, you know, she's made like a little, almost a sunroom 
like a little um what do they call come on greenhouse type thing so that she can grow some more exotic plants and and tell and show alder that she's been doing it all wrong so she's out gardening alder as we speak I love it. I hope they're all plants. I hope she's on that level of petty too, where it's like plants Alder hates. Alder's oh yeah, absolutely. Too. So she's found out she knows everything Alder hates and is allergic to, and that's what she's growing in there. So she's like, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a salve that'll make your butt itch, Alder. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Petty Kalita in the Witch Garden. That's yes. amazing. I love but it. the like the best so part good. is that it's probably in Alder's private quarters area too. So she's just like taking over that space for herself because Alder did say oh, yeah. that she could have whatever she needed. Oh, and Kalita is not shy of taking what she needs <laughs> <Exactly>. and wants. <laughs> exactly. I need food now. <laughs> Lita. She's the boss. Uh so I figured this was the, the good point to, to mention Kalita since we're going to oh, the that's a perfect point. Uh, we you. also need to yes, laugh. One hundred percent. All right. So Adil shows up mysteriously and <laughs> goes over to Abigail, who's sitting on the bed by herself, being sad. Adil asks if something happened, and she's like, "Uh, like so many things happened. We lost someone." So he sits down and. They sh- they go through the details of they're on an operation that shouldn't have happened like it did, and no one should have died like Libba died. And he comforts her and says that he's sorry, and then she lays down, and he gets behind her and spoons her, and they cuddle, comfort comforting her, mm-hmm. and. Then she says someone once told her she was ignorant of the world, but she's a little less so now. So Abigail's having a a moment where she's admitting that she was actually ignorant to what war was really like. And now she thinks she's getting the idea. Yeah, it's this dawn of a new era for Abigail. It is. It. But uh, Adil being the sweet dude that he is, is like whoever said that's an idiot very smooth sir yeah. very smooth good job good job so he's drinking his lesbian jesus juice he is yeah rail left a little bit behind yeah she she ships them so she's like it makes abigail less bitchy so like here exactly here <laughs> take all my powers <laughs> she should probably write a book you know to counteract the codices no i'm saying like in the post like whatever this is era of motherland like rayo should write her like how to actually woo witches mm-hmm. book and then make a bunch of money off that Scylla should patent witch texting yep. and they'll be so wealthy when this is all she'll over. be a tech giant she'll be a tech giant just making all kinds of witch tech and probably human tech because Scylla can do everything Scylla can do everything she can so they'll be multi-millionaire queer couple when this mm-hmm. is over mm-hmm. i like her alternate so anyway. version alternate it's what's gonna happen oh, sorry. It just Can- it. it's canon yeah. but it just Whereas hasn't happened spoilers spoilers sorry, we spoiled you for the after the, in the future the after the motherland the when they're in their <laughs> 30s the yeah sorry <laughs> our bad Oops. but again this is the depressing episode sorry not sorry we thought we'd spoil you so you could get a little happy yeah a little bit of happiness listening to especially this. before alder's tv show 
Oh my god, all their seafood. Yeah, I'm glad you got this one. I'm glad this is just... Oh my god. (sighs) No, I'm good. uh, Adil is sweet. Abigail is a little more understanding of all the asinine horribleness of war. Totally. Just one little thing I wanted to point out from like after the storm. It's pretty obvious in this, but it's worth noting from Ashley's perspective with Adil. This is like somebody... Abigail is like her true self with, which doesn't happen with many people. And so she's taught through like the bellwether stuff is to like hide the bad parts of yourself, hide your insecurities, just be strong, project that you're the good soldier. And with Adil, you see when he comes in, she doesn't even like try to do any of that stuff. She's just very like forthcoming herself. So it's very, I think that's very important for Abigail in her growth to like have somebody she can be her true self with. She's open with him rather than closed. Exactly. And it's just, it's natural for her. She's never felt this with anybody ever before. So it's significant for Abigail. So just throwing that out there. Alrighty. And then the finale of this episode. So then we get to Alder's TV show. So it's like a press conference, basically. And they're watch- and the cadets are watching this on a much more modern TV than Papa Collars. Yeah, what is going on? What is, what time is it? Whatever. And so <laughs> Alder's on the TV and the cadets are watching in some kind of common room. And she opens with a moment of silence for the fallen. And it's just like Mama Costi's in the back also with her arms crossed like she's just fuming like she's an angry mother that is hellbent on just like protecting her babies and this woman on tv just like kills one of her babies and so basically alder goes off and what she does during this speech and we've talked a lot about what the hell just happened is puts the pro-america we're fighting the good fight and did what was in our best interest for the world spin on this whole thing And she basically explains, like, earlier today, we intercepted two trucks that we totally didn't let slip past us that were filled with spree. (laughs) Spree shaking your head. Because, yeah, we could have stopped it there. But here we are. Even the dog's pissed. And so they're like, we stopped the spree armory. So bringing up the spree. And she has to spin this as a victory to win points with Wade. And that's what she does. And she's like. The spree destroyed that armory and killed a bunch of civilians because they're evil. And then tragically, they took hostages and all those weapons, but our cadets stopped them because they were hellbent on committing a mass coordinated attack, starting in Boston and going God knows where, probably around the world. So like being like, we stopped this big world, World War II that never happened. We're stopping it. And like... Come on now. The spree is not capable of this. Mm. Come on now. The spree is barely capable. Like, like Alder. <laughs> but we all know this. Like, so it's just, it's just a propaganda speech is all this is. And she's basically like, you know, our forces were there and we stopped them. But of course the spree were violent and they, ch- they chose, they, the meaning the spree chose to execute the hostages. Mm-hmm. And our troops suffered a further loss in battle. Let's go back to they chose (laughs) to execute the hostages because this is the spin, right? Mm -hmm. Because technically they did, right? Mm -hmm. Because the spree were the ones that took the hostages. If they never took the hostages and they didn't and they never armed the mines and they didn't come near the troops, then the troops wouldn't have been forced to wind shear the truck that killed everybody in the truck. So if you trace 
the line of events back far enough, you can be like, yeah, see, at this point, that's when the spree chose to do this. But also, if you go further down that timeline where the army was in front of the truck and saw the hostages, but still chose to win strike it anyway. So who, who chose to kill the hostages? Was it the spree who took the hostages? So the spree put them in harm's way. So it was their fault. Or was it the army who's like, yeah, I still see the hostages, but we're going to fucking blow this shit up anyway. So again, this is all about perspective. Who, who chose to kill the hostages? They both kind of did. Man, if I was the spree. The people, the spree people driving that truck, I would have reversed out of there and found another road. Right. I'm like, well, you guys aren't going to, what are you going to do, chase us? Yeah, like run after us? (laughs) Jesus. magic works. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Or like drive off around them into the field. What is going to happen? You know what? I got gas. There's another way to get to this. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This airport. See you guys later. (laughs) You're not going to do a high speed chase. What is this? So, Jesus Christ. But again, like, the flying it lady's just, just floating up. <laughs> but is flying lady, wait, is flying lady off screen watching City Drop? Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. On her <laughs> little Sprite TV. She's on her <laughs> it's, it's like Sling TV, except it's Scry TV. So she, oh my God. That's what she's always watching. That's so good. <laughs> she's super in. There's no TV shows in this world. Yeah. It's just news. So she's watching Scry TV. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. So she's watching this be like, oh, the trauma. Will the troops win? <laughs> anyway, so that's what Flying Lady's doing. Bonus tertiary character. Yes. And, but Alder's words here are so, so dangerous because, again, it's just this, just the propaganda spin. And everybody in the room of cadets looks so confused because they were at the battle and none of this is what they experienced. So, like, again, they're seeing their big anointed leader spinning the thing they just experienced into something else. And it's not sitting well with these troops that are now going to be soldiers because city drops mm-hmm. over so these are going to be your next soldiers so it's like sowing disconsent in the next generation of the army is what this is does doing. she think that people are just never going to question her period is she that <sighs> delusional I mean, about her own power i think that at this point she's gotten away with just again brushing people off she's like thanks for your input but i'm running the show mm-hmm. in the whole world and the point that this situation has gotten bad enough where the president doesn't like her and it's like if you don't produce results for me i'm gonna get rid of you and all of these witches because remember uh witch father said well there's legislation going through the congress now to dismantle the whole army so like not only could sarah lose power but like all the witches are might lose their status as army people and then maybe that's ptsd for alder too who said crap if we lose this then we're back to the burning times so, exactly. you know, maybe she's reverting back to that. And like in that Sarah Alder, like, you, you know, Salem, Salem Accord, Sarah Alder, she's like, well, I have to, I have to be extreme. I have to unleash the the seed that changes the world. And so maybe that's her headspace here. And she's like, I have to be extreme because my extreme action is what led to literally all of this. So this is Hail Mary Alder time again. Hail Mary keeping the status quo because the other status is like, uh, we're all going to kill the witches. Yeah, and she and in this scenario, she doesn't have the seed no one's seen before because mm-hmm. that's the terrain that won't give her the seed. So she she's just grasping at straws for like what to do. And so 
she has to keep the public on her side to keep the witch army. So she's trying to frame this from Alder's perspective as, look, we're beating the spree. Like, we stopped the spree from doing bad stuff. We're protecting you. Like, Mm -hmm. call your representative (laughs) and don't dismantle Mm -hmm. the army. And I think that's really what she's trying to achieve here. But, like, the consequence of that is the cadets that are coming up in the armed forces are seeing this happen and they're like, wow, we're just being used. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the faces of the unit. That's Mama Costia who's just pissed off. Like, and she ends this whole thing with like, hey, I know we lost a witch today. You know, hostage, you know, civilians were killed, but take solace in the fact that several spree agents were neutralized, AKA killed too. We killed some leaders. We took out their weapons and we stopped this big attack from happening. So we got to rebuild and continue fighting the spree. Everybody does, like, once and for all. And, like, a blessing yeah. on all those blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, questions from reporters. Because, again, this is to win public support. That's how, like, the United States government works when it comes to legislation. You could annoy your senators and hope they do something. But that's where Alder's at. And so she's just, she's trying to be... The face of, look, we're doing good stuff. But, like, literally none of the cadets look convinced by this at all. And that's how it ends. Yep. Just with discontent. Uh, unit stares at the screen. Just, like, WTF. Yep. And that's how this all works. So not only did the unit start off with, like, not trusting each other. It ends with, like... All of the cadets not trusting their leader. It's just, yeah, it's you. So you can see that not only has this whole conflict going on with the spree, you know, put witches against each other, it's now putting witches within the army against each other. You saw it with Clary talking back and like the coup happening kind of with Mama Bellwether, but now it's seeping into the troops through these extreme actions because the situation really isn't good for anybody. There's no. And if you don't agree with what Alder did, then like, well, what quote unquote was the right thing to do? Was there a right answer here? There wasn't. No. And so it's like, yeah, that's the problem. And so Alder, I think, knows that being in this position for so long. And so she's like, so we have to make the best of what just happened. And that's what this propaganda speech was. That's, you know, that's where they're at. Unfortunately, it's just not going to fly. I think forces have been set in motion that we're always going to outpace her desperate attempts to keep control and power in a way. So. Yeah. And I think for Alder, it's, it's extending beyond that too, because there's the threat of dismantling the whole witch army. And I think she's trying to keep that together too, because she's in the position to do that. So there's a lot weighing on Alder. So It's not so simple as her just being heartless and a vendetta against the spree. There's a lot of, it's a, you know, it's a big game of chess. Like, you know, if she moves one way, there are these consequences. If she moves this way, there's a different set of consequences. And so it's like damage control, which, which path has the least amount of like things I need to mitigate. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what happened here. Who am I going to take the hit from? Who would I rather take the hit from? Exactly. And it's better for us to like, for the witches as a whole in the army to quote unquote, get a win with the spree in the eyes of the public that we can spin as positive than to do nothing and have something else happen. And then it shows that we're not effective and like that would end up harming us more really. And I I think it's just unfortunate that no matter what she did, even, even if they had come out of that cleanly without anyone dying civilian or witch, 
I don't think it would have done that much. No. To change anyone's mind. No, it's, I think everyone's far too past that. The only thing that changes is being like, oh, look, the spree is gone. But even then, there's, you know, there's always a scapegoat, right? Mm -hmm. So, spree is a scapegoat right now. Yep. There's always going to be the mob. Mm hmm. So. All right. Well, all right. Recapping this episode, basically, City Drop was a disaster and. Depression. Yeah, it's just depression. Basically what happened in this episode. So Rael finally gets confirmation and comes to the acceptance that Scylla is a spree agent. City Drop was a hot mess. Uh, we'll see who actually goes to War College and who doesn't in the next episode, I think. So TBD. But unfortunately, there was some spree stuff that went down and the cadets all had to go fight. And we just talked about that at nauseum where poor Libba was killed. But like the spree armory was also defeated. So there's that. Alder's trying to spin it as a win, but you can see our generals are not too thrilled with the way this went down. Mamakasti is not too thrilled with the way this went down, and all the cadets are not thrilled. So there's a bunch of doubt being sowed between the army people and Alder that's causing people to have epiphanies. But the positive thing that came out of this was really the unit bonded together through this experience and decided that they're going to trust each other above everybody else. Mm -hmm. That's basically this episode. Yeah, the only positive to take out of it, really. Yeah, that is that is the only positive that came out of this episode. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, no. So who's your who's your pick for Big Witch Energy? For this episode, I am giving it to Livestreet. <gasps> you took my answer. She is the answer. Honestly, because I have a runner-up, but Libba gets it because. She was just, she just took the role of, like, de facto leader the she whole did, time. She uh... did, And she saw that, like, Abigail was flailing, and Libba's like, they gotta look to someone to keep us alive, and she just flipped on her big witch energy the whole rest of the episode and just led the troops. She saved Abigail's ass multiple times. She humble bragged in the, in the bat that she's like, I'm the alpha Abigail, and alphas look after, like, the weaklings when she, they were bantering. With she she basically was like, I'm the top. Yeah, she yes, that's what that was called for. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final one was at the end where they're in the formation of that cadet tries yep. to run away. And she's like, bitch, where are you where going? Are you going? And get like, the fuck back here. And she literally has enough big witch energy to keep that girl in the line as the trucks are coming towards them. So Libba Swythe wins it. I agree for, for everything episode. you just said. And also I want to add that her pep talks are just top tier. She's a natural leader and she does a great job. And I love that she just when the opportunity is there, when there's that vacuum, she just, she steps in. Like, and she even gives Abigail pep talk. She's like, I can see that you're flailing. Like, let me be the leader and give you the pep talk. Like I would with my unit. So what a fucking shame that she's gone because Leba is a great character and you will be sorely, sorely missed, ma'am. We loved you very, very much. Can I have her back? Yeah. Can we get her back somehow? Is it our work on this? Mm -hmm. Can she come out of <sighs> the mycelium, but like alive? That's what I'm hoping spoiler maybe if it happens <laughs> if it happens sorry we spoiled you yeah we have spoiled it and my runner-up though was tally mm -hmm. because tally again like had a backbone in this episode despite being like wrestling her own demons like everybody else in the unit but she was the one too like when abigail was flailing she took over like when they were doing the um, sweep of the school or wherever they were and she's the one that like got through to Rael, like 
So Ab uh, and Tally tried to stand up to Mama Castillo and she saw the hostages. So Tally had a lot of big witch energy, but I think Libba had the most. Absolutely. And I love when they show the varying sides of Tally because people like to talk about how much she's a softy and is a walking exclamation point, but she can kick ass too. Oh. Yeah, no, totally. It's a, they're growing up. They're kids. Mm -hmm. Like they're becoming adults by being forced to be in the military. That's what's happening to all of them. And so it's very traumatic and it's almost a situation where they have to accelerate becoming adults and facing reality. And like Tally came from the matrifocal compound, which was like this happy go lucky little like isolated area where she could be the human exclamation point. She could be this optimistic person. And now she's in a situation where she can't because that's not how you survive in war. Nope. Like, so yeah, you're starting to see Tally evolve. War is dirty. The world is dirty. Mm -hmm. Abigail knows that now. Yeah, and right, exactly. Even Abigail, somebody who was brought up in military culture, like never really experienced real world military before. So the only one of them who really did experience the consequences was Rael because mm -hmm. her father was killed. Like, and we learned more about what happened with Rael and her mother in season two, like how the army like really, really traumatized her with her mom. But like, yeah, so they're all growing up basically the very very hard way i mean and scylla obviously her parents were the killed hardest of all of them. Yeah. and where the fuck was scylla in this episode right? guys we got a glamour but that's not the same thing no. why is she missing from a whole episode we can't get just one flashback in the dungeon yeah. like what the fuck i mean we got the only thing we got was Rayo's <sighs> flashbacks from last episode and yeah and then spree lady taking her face yeah. that was it that's not no. scylla no i'm mad Whatever. where's my scylla yeah that was my question at the my psyllium my psyllium where's, where's my psyllium <laughs> it's with isadora's necro who's trying to decipher the binder of all the thousands of notes isadora left about how to take care of the mycelium yeah she just wouldn't let she went <laughs> obviously the only person that knows how to decode those notes is scylla so she had to go let her out of the cell to yeah, she's like, how the fuck do you read this? <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, that's what Solo, that's what Solo was doing off screen. Helping the Necro. That's like, hey, I know you're bad, but like, what, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Translate this for me. <laughs> oh, that's Isadora for... <laughs> exactly. Isadora. <laughs> yeah. My God. Oh We're hot mess. It's a very sad episode to talk about. It's a sad episode to end, but like, that's where we're at, guys. So. Guess what? Uh, the next episode isn't much better. Nope. <laughs> I forgot how depressing the second half of season yeah. one is. We're going to be in depressing land for a hot minute. For a hot, hot, hot minute and a half. But thanks for uh, listening. If you got to the end of this episode, despite the content of this episode, I hope you enjoyed. Yeah, I hope, you, I hope we made you laugh some. Yeah. Hopefully you'll come back next time. <laughs> And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all of our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. 
Uh, please subscribe and like all the things. If you happen to be listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review, no matter how brief. This is what Apple uses in their algorithm to uh, help us gain a wider audience. So please, please, please help us out. Yes. And please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you about everything and anything. And if we like it, we'll probably give you a shout out on the air. You can find us at all the things. Twitter at Big Gay Energy Pod, Tumblr, Big Gay Energy Pod, Instagram, Big Gay Energy Pod, or you can email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for lesbian Jesus. <laughs>